What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Welcome in to Good Word Brewing. It's soccer down here, live, talking Atlanta United, talking MLS, talking MLS Conference Finals, soccer news around the world, degenerates and more. That's what we do. It's a Thursday night live show brought to you by The Flood Project. John, how are you? I've made it through traffic from downtown Atlanta to Duluth. Okay, for people who are not in Atlanta, which, you know, some of our listener base is not, how bad is that? It is so bad that it took me 40 minutes to go 6.2 miles in the home stretch. That's pretty bad. That was pretty bad. That's pretty bad. Did you try different directions, or did you just stick with I-85? No, 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 no. I I went with the fancy computer-generated... I'm surprised you did. Hey, I'm surprised I could actually dial it up and get it to work right. Okay. Plugging, plugging in Good Word Brewing mm-hmm. in Duluth. That, that, yes. In, into the fancy computer-generated uh, Android. It's a phone, John. Android-based phone. It's a phone. And working on the Google Maps. Okay. And getting the assistance that way. Literally, they took me off of the main interstate to come up this way and brought me up another road entirely do you know these roads oh i do yeah but i'm trying to i'm trying to 
generic it out for those who are yeah, not here. Yeah, I, I know. Area. I know. You, you, so they took you off an interstate and put me yeah. on a road with a bunch of stoplights on it, and that was still the fastest way to get up here to do last 6.2 I, I, miles in 40 minutes. I mean, I was a little bit ahead of you, but I think my Google Maps, or maybe Google in general, likes me more. I would agree. Because it didn't take me quite that long. Oh, it took to me an hour and 15 minutes to get from downtown Atlanta to here, and it was, what, 13 miles? Uh, yeah, around that. Um, but it was also rush hour. That is so true. That, that's part of it. And, and traffic has picked back up. Yes. So we, we are here, and it is hopping here at Good Word. So if you're in the vicinity, come on out. Uh, the porter is excellent, and I'm looking forward to a second glass already. We're going to talk more about Good Word as we go and, and talk, to, uh, talk to them at 7 o'clock coming up. But we're going to get into Atlanta United in 2022 what the depth chart looks like. We're going to get into these conference finals. Um, now we're getting... Who was reporting about Vancouver and Io Akinola? Manuel Veth. From Manuel Veth. But the problem is, and Manuel knows this, and, and this is where it gets a little confusing for people. Io Akinola is desired by Vancouver, it sounds like. Yes. But they can't just sign him because he's not a free agent. He has to go through, I believe, the re-entry draft portion of MLS. So... If Vancouver really wants him and they have made that public, then they have tipped their hand, and whoever has the first spot in that draft should be saying to Vancouver, I want a million dollars in allocation money, or you're not getting the spot. Correct. And I'm going to pick Io Akinola, and then I'll trade him to you for a million dollars in allocation money. Yes. That's how this stuff works, and, and we try to spell that out every time, because it's not as simple as just, he's out of contract, you want to sign him. He's not a free agent. So I'm, I'm wondering what's going on with that report because I'm sure there's teams who would like to get Io Akinola, but I'm sure the teams know the rules. And it's not just they want him and it's complicated. Well, yeah, they can't sign him. Yeah. <laughs> like, they, they have to get his rights. They can't sign him. Ridiculous. Um, we'll see what happens. Uh, Colin Martz wants to get into Martin Atkinson today. He had a, a bad day at Uh-oh. the very beginning especially. Uh, but John, I mean, this is this is your this is your league, and they are setting the standard for refereeing worldwide. <laughs> I was going to say because they never a standard they never make any mistakes ever. No, ever no ever. they never do. No, ever except no. a lot of them. They, they are pristine. They are above reproach. It's the Premier League, by the way. If you're you're new to the show, um, their referees have some issues from time to time, and they did again today. Manchester United. Got the 3-2 win over Arsenal. Uh, Scott Flood is very happy about that. So, of course, the week that I abandoned all of my Manchester United players in my fantasy league, they, they put up three goals on the board. It's all about you, John. It's all about you. It's all about me. Cristiano Ronaldo said, oh, that guy didn't pick my oh, I team. Didn't, no, I didn't have him on my team either. Well, he scored two goals. You probably should have had him on your team. I had Bruno Fernandes on my team. Well, he scored a goal too, so you probably should have had him as well. Uh, Manchester United came back after a controversial early goal. Now, I didn't get to see the second half because I was in transit up here, so I don't know all of the issues that Martin Atkinson had. But the whole situation with the first goal was one of the dumbest things I've seen in a while. So goalkeeper David De Gea gets stepped on by his own player. He's down. He's, he's acting like he's hurt. He might have been hurt. He got stepped on. Martin Atkinson, I guess, didn't know if he blew the whistle and when he blew it. And it was very confusing from the commentary portion of it because I don't think they understood what was going on either. 
the play doesn't automatically stop if there is a supposed foul or non-foul or somebody's down. It was a, a great volley that ends up in the back of the net. The goalkeeper's down. It's very simple at that point. If the referee had blown the whistle before the ball's in the back of the net, it's no goal. No matter what happens, it's no goal because the whistle kills the play. If he didn't, then there's nothing to call and there's no foul and it's a goal. That was all you needed to check. That was it. No, it, that, it, it's that easy, Niall. Niall's a, a Manchester United fan. Or no, he's a Liverpool fan, but maybe he just hates Arsenal. Um, <laughs> that counts easy. He didn't blow the whistle, so it's a goal. Like, it's just that simple. He did put the whistle to his mouth, and I guess he either blew it afterwards or he thought about blowing it afterwards. I don't know what he was confused about because there's nothing to call to take the goal away. When that happens, when that kind of stuff happens early in a game, you lose the confidence from the players as a referee. No doubt. And you're in big, big trouble. And it sounds like Martin Atkinson had more trouble. Um, I'll have to check everything, Colin, and, and give you a, a report on tomorrow. Uh, missed a, a couple of situations both ways, it sounds like. Uh, not good. Not a surprise. Refereeing's difficult. Um, it, it's a tough gig, and I, I do want to get into something on the flip side of it because I feel like at times we always talk about how bad referees are. And we focus on that. We focus on what needs to be done to make it better. And it's, it's part of the conversation. It's part of the story. It does have to get better in this country. There needs to be resources put towards it. There's just no way around it. But there's also increasing issues with how people are treating referees. We, we see it at the youth level all the time. We see it at the high school, at the college level, at the club level all the time. In Argentina, we have an issue that has popped up after a game this week. A uh, referee in Argentina's first division has accused a Lanús player of threatening to kill him if he ever officiates their games again. Referee filed a, a report with the police. Uh, home team Rossing beat Lanús 3-1. It was the fourth straight loss for Lanús. Uh, the police report has been seen by Reuters. Dario Herrera is the referee. He accused Lautaro Acosta of Lanús of using foul language, big deal, yeah. and saying to him, you're corrupt. If you ever referee us again, I am going to kill you. That's the quote. Now, the Argentine Association of Referees has called for an exemplary sanction against the player. Uh, yes. Yes. This can't keep happening. It's inconceivable what Acosta did. Yes, that is correct. He has to be suspended for months because it's one thing the your corrupt part is an automatic red card in most places because when you question the integrity of the referee it's a red card a lot of times additional games are added on we'll go back to the the chris wandalowski red card from the bench at mercedes-benz stadium when we didn't know what it was and wando fessed up to saying that the refs were cheating san jose it's the same thing it's you say that that's one of the magic words you're going to get tossed But when you go beyond that and threaten violence against a referee, you have to be suspended for a long period of time. This stuff, no matter how bad the referee is, no matter how much you don't like their calls, that stuff is what makes it harder to keep good referees and get good referees at all levels. That can't happen at the first division level. It should be months of a suspension, I would say, too. And you have to make that kind of an example of a player with a suspension that is months, it should be you know three months, six months, whatever. You have to sit there 
and make a statement where the Federation is backing the officials in this case. There can be no doubt in this situation which side is being taken favor here. We have to side on the integrity of the game. We have to side on the side of the officiating crew here, on, on any officials here, and make this suspension substantial to reinforce that you cannot, under any circumstance, threaten an official verbally, anything like that. No. You've got to put the hammer down in this case to go, this is how we're backing our officials here. Yeah, uh, we will see how this gets handled. We'll keep you posted on this one. Um, other news of the day that we didn't get into today, we got sidetracked with some hypothetical stuff and some big picture stuff about the Premier League and leagues in Europe. It was a great conversation this morning that was prompted by our, our viewers and our listeners. Um, you have Jose Mourinho confronting referees in Italy. Uh, wanted an explanation on decisions that were made. He confronted the referee in the tunnel. That's an issue. Uh, we haven't gotten deep into the Juventus situation. We'll talk about that. But a couple rumors that are uh, on the books at this point, one involving Seattle. And when you start to connect the dots, we had Nico Moreno of Pulso Sports on with us this morning. And Nico gave us the lowdown on the Raul Ruiz Diaz situation and how he's not happy with his contract, wants a new one, wants more money, and they got to get stuff sorted out. Yeah. Well, there's rumors, and Today NA is reporting it, of Seattle's interest in Monterrey's Vincent Janssen. Striker's been at Monterrey since summer of 2019. He was at Tottenham before that. He's played at Fenerbahce, developed at Feyenoord. 22 goals, 4 assists, and 75 games at Monterrey. Uh, he hasn't been able to consistently beat out Rogelio Funes Mori. He's been good but not great. Valued at $4.4 million. I almost wonder if that is the, if we can't get a deal done with Raul, Janssen would be the replacement. You could bring him in and play two of them, as we saw them play a 3-5-2, but my guess is that's a backup plan. And when you have, and, that, and, that's, and that's key for all teams that are at a certain level of success. They're always thinking, if then. You have to. Whether it's a positive or a negative, one way or the other, you have to sit there and think of that step and think of it almost from a 100% negative scenario mm-hmm. and work your way forward. Yep. You can't just sit there and, sit and wait for something to happen with what's going on in front of you. You've got to sit there and think about everything around you first and then work it forward. And Vincent Janssen would be getting uh, quality playing time, obviously, if this is the plan. The I'm not going to say plan B because that makes it sound like an alternative. Yep. But the it's second, an alternative. Yeah, the, I, I want Raul Ruiz Diaz over Vincent Janssen. It's absolutely an alternative. But I, I'm thinking of it as just the, the notion of when you have an idea. What's your idea? No, no, no. no. What I'm saying is if you're Seattle or any, any club, you're looking at, okay, if something can't happen, then this is the thought pattern. We have Vincent Janssen as an idea coming in. We're already thinking about next steps, whether it's with Raul Rediaz and Janssen or one or the other. You're at least making those thoughts already in your, uh, in your organization is what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, you're always thinking that way. That, that's... That's typical. Um, I think it also makes you wonder what the likelihood is of keeping Raul Ruiz right. Diaz yeah. if this is already getting out. Yeah. Uh, we'll have to wait and see on that. Some uh, Premier League rumors. Uh, Chelsea could be having some players on the move once we get into the January window or in the summer. Barcelona's interested in Aspilicueta, 
He would be on a free in the summer. That makes a lot of sense for Barcelona. Yep. 32 years old. Yes, I can absolutely buy that. Uh, Ralph Rangnick is being linked with being interested in Timo Werner, who's been rumored about going everywhere from Chelsea. Yeah. So I can buy that one, and he fits what Ralph Rangnick would want. Um, Rangnick is also being linked to uh, RB Leipzig and France right back Nordi Mukieli, 24 years old, target for Manchester United. He's reportedly going to be given a budget, Rangnick, of up to £100 million to strengthen the squad after all that they spent in this past summer. That's a January budget. Newcastle's budget's going to be around that, I would assume, for January. It's, it's going to get hectic because now things are like piling off of one another. Manchester United gets a little bit desperate. They really go out and take a little bit of a flyer here on bringing Rangnick in. He's going to want his guys because I don't think people understand how different stylistically Manchester United is going to be under him. The way they looked today, they will not be looking like that under him because he will not accept it. I was having this discussion with other folks who are fans of the Premier League, and I was trying to explain what Ralph Rangnick was bringing to the table and what he wants to do philosophically with Manchester United and the notion of, okay... Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. These pieces that are currently there at Manchester United, it's going to be interesting to see who currently is there will be adapting to what Ragnick wants to do, and then at the same time who Ralph Ragnick wants to bring in to sit there and make sure that what he wants to have implemented is implemented. There is no doubt as to what I want done if I'm Ralph Ragnick, so I'm going to bring in my guys, which is something that always happens across the board in whatever sport we're talking this about. This is exaggerated. Yeah. This is not the normal, I'm going to bring in my guys. This is, I have a very specific profile of who I want. And I don't care if they're my guy or not. I'm going to go make sure I have that profile covered. That's where Manchester United's going to be. They're going to spend, Newcastle's going to spend, I forgot about Tottenham, thank you, Will. Uh, They're going to spend, according to reports, because that's how they got Conte. Other teams are going to have to spend in response to that. So it's it's going to be a lot of spending in January that will have trickle-down effects. Is that going to affect Atlanta United at the very outset of it? No, I don't think so. I I don't think... Manchester United or Newcastle, although they, they maybe could. Um, Tottenham, I don't think they're coming shopping to Atlanta, but they're going to go shopping to clubs that maybe weren't planning on buying in the January window who might have money on tap who could then buy and be able to strengthen with an Ezekiel Barco, with a George Bello, with a Miles Robinson, 
at all. So it, it's going to have trickle-down effects beyond the Premier League, and, and keep that in mind about where this could go. Uh, an update on the uh, Lacho Acosta situation from our buddy Gustavo, who's watching in Buenos Aires. Uh, according to reports on TNT in Argentina, he could be facing a 20 to 25 game sanction. Mm. So that's even longer than we were saying. That would be their their season next year is going to be similar to what it was this year, a miniature cup competition in the first half. That's like a league. Um, they'll play about 13 or 14 games in that, plus a knockout round. He would be out for that entire competition and probably the first month or so of the regular season that would start after it. So that's substantial. That's good to hear. That's really good to hear because it has to be handled severely. Um, other rumors on the front at the moment here. Um, Chelsea, again, are open to selling Hakeem Zayek. Uh, Timo Werner, they're being linked to Barcelona. Barcelona's being suddenly linked to spending money. They might have some money to spend. Not a ton, and it's very unclear as to how much. And it's very unclear, too, as to what Xavi wants, because his profile of what he wants is incredibly different from Rangnick, different from Tuchel, different from... You know, Conte, maybe not so different from Guardiola, but you're spending at a different level. I can buy the rumors of Barcelona wanting to get Ferran Torres from Manchester City and trying to find a number that makes sense a lot more than Zayek or Werner or these other guys because I just don't think they necessarily would play ahead of an academy product. I think Xavi's going to want guys who speak his football language and I don't know if Timo Werner or Hakim Zayek are those guys. Yeah, and that's what you're, you're looking at here as Xavi builds at Barca. And also, once again, I don't know how much money they're going to have to make any kind of transactions in the January window. Anyway, yeah. so having those academy guys there, once again, it's a part of that, that fabric and the understanding that's already in place. They're just getting those reps in league. And then if you have someone that you think fits that you can bring in inexpensively, whether it's you know, a low number or a free, then that will help you out. But I, I still think that the build is going to be coming from within and bringing in pieces from the outside that will fit that are economical. A couple of things domestically. Uh, tomorrow at 11, and we'll stay on just a little bit longer to talk about it, uh, U.S. men's national team roster will come out for this domestic-based group that is going to start camp on Monday in Carson, California. They're going to play uh, Bosnia and Herzegovina um, in a friendly there will be an additional domestic heavy camp that will precede that three-game window in January. doesn't mean those players will play in that window. just means it's an opportunity to bring them in, and if a few of them get the call, they'll get the call. A uh, couple players that have been rumored for this upcoming camp, Kevin Paredes of D.C. United, 18 years old, Jonathan Gomez of Louisville City, but is going to Real Sociedad, 18 years old. He's a potential Mexico international as well. Alan Sonora of Independiente. Gustavo will be very happy about that. 23-year-old central midfielder, American, who is being requested for this camp. But Independiente is still busy in league action. I'm not sure of their exact situation and if they let him go or not. But the fact that he's being looked at and requested, I think it's a good thing because he's had a really good season for Independiente. Yeah, and that's one of the things that, that I like to, to see in these windows is where you're kind of thinking outside of 
there's always that list that's in your head of folks that you think are going to be called in in certain in you know certain camps. It's like you always have the those stalwarts that are associated with call ups. But when you see these other names, these different names, where you're kind of thinking outside of the norm, I enjoy that because I want to see these folks get playing time, and I want to see how they integrate, and I want to see them continue to grow. And obviously, the next stage in a player's existence, getting that call up for the national team, can only speak volumes for confidence level and experience going forward too. Uh, Will asks about Brooks Lennon. Is he out of the national team picture for good if he doesn't get into either of these camps? Nothing's for good. I, I think sometimes we, we throw that stuff around, and I wouldn't go there at all on anybody under the age of, like, 33 because you never know. You, you might need a player for a game, and you might have injuries at a position, and you bring them in. Is he going to be further down the depth chart than I would have thought? Yeah, if he doesn't get called in. I could see him getting called in. Miles, Bello. You can see those guys getting called in. Brad, potentially, depending on the goalkeeper situation for these games. You're going to be looking at guys in MLS who are no longer playing. You're going to be looking at some young guys that you maybe haven't seen in a camp. Curious to see what the mix is. That'll come out at 11 tomorrow. We'll talk about it at the end of our show tomorrow. Our show will start at 9.05, but we'll stick around just a little bit to talk about that lineup when it comes out. Other domestic news before we jump into Atlanta United stuff. Charlotte Independents are going to drop from USL Championship to USL League One. With Charlotte FC coming into town, that makes total sense. I mean, it's just a no-brainer, cheaper budget. A team like Charlotte Independents in a big city with an MLS team there, I think can carve out a nice niche for themselves and make money at the USL League One level. The USL Championship level, there's a lot more to it that I think would make it harder. I think that margin would be very, very small. At the League One level, they can do just fine, and I don't think it changes anything for their existing fan base because you're going to get games with local rivals. You're going to get a new rivalry with Greenville. You're going to get North Carolina back. You're going to get Richmond. You're going to get Tormenta. You're going to get Chattanooga. You've got games that are easily drivable, and that's where I think that fan base really gets energized. And that's one of the points that first popped into my head when you were discussing Charlotte Independence dropping to League One is that regionalization. And it's been one of those things that we've been talking about when you're looking at the growth of USL League One and all of the markets that we see currently housing franchises and areas that can house them in the future. And, you know, when you're in USL Championship, you're not having to take that East-West crossover game against, you know, LA Galaxy 2 as a part of your budget. Right, but I mean, you you will have you'll have Tucson, so I mean that doesn't completely go away with League One. Um, over time, I think it will, but right now it doesn't. I, I think you're just operating at a lower scale. You're not going to be, you know, spending money on thirty year olds who might help you win a USL Championship title, but really aren't worth the money that you're paying them at that level in their new situation. Right. You can go to League One. You can focus on younger guys. You can almost be an unofficial feeder for Charlotte FC. I think it makes a lot of sense. you got Lexington coming in in 2023 as well. Yep. So you got lots of teams in this region. That's a good fit for Charlotte. Honestly, and they haven't said they're going to do it, I keep waiting for Charleston to do it. Yep. I think Charleston makes a lot of sense with their market size to do that. It just depends on how much the ownership wants to spend. Uh, last one before we get to Atlanta United, uh, University of Georgia have changed their head coach kind of quietly uh, 
separated with Billy Lassine, who had been there for seven years. Kadani McAlpine is coming over from USC. Uh, took USC to a 2016 Women's National Championship, eight straight NCAA tournament appearances, uh, did really well at Washington State before that. This is the level of coach that the, the Georgia women's program, frankly, hasn't ever had. So this is a big deal. I, I'm, I'm excited about the hire because UGA's women's program has been alternating between average and not good. Yeah. And they didn't make the NCAA tournament this year. When you're bringing in a proven winner, a former national champion, a guy who's taken USC to eight straight tournament appearances, that's going to be the expectation in Athens. When you have a coach that has Power 5 experience, Power 5 playoff experience, can get you to the postseason, knows what it means to, to get there for a program, to bring him into the Southeastern Conference, that experience, I think, obviously plays well into the higher It'll be, you know, for me, it's, I'm curious to see how long it takes for him and his philosophy to get to full song as Georgia tries to get into the postseason and do well in the Southeastern Conference. With the talent in this region and I think the talent that they have, it shouldn't take long. It should not take long. And this state on the women's side is developing so much talent right now. We've seen it at the high school level. So many talented players coming through. He'll have his pick of talent. And he'll recruit, I think, more talent than previous coaches have because of his pedigree. So I don't think it takes very long at all. Um, Will asks about Charlotte. Do they have an MLS Next team? Yeah, they have a full academy, so they're, they're good. Um, they, the MLS Next, in terms of a reserve league, doesn't exist yet. So Charlotte, I think, will have one. I think everybody has to have one. So they will. Could they do some kind of a partnership with the independents? Absolutely they could and have that alternative situation that they could need for certain players. But we'll see. We'll see what it looks like. Uh, USL and MLS are separating further and further apart, so it'll be curious to see what those kind of partnerships even look like going forward down the road. All right, let's get into um, Atlanta United. Uh, Burned, I hope he has a better style. I'm with you. Uh, I think Georgia will be a team you'll want to watch going forward. I, I, I haven't seen him much at USC. haven't followed USC women's soccer. So give me a little bit of time to get caught up on that. But he's won, and I'll take that as a start because Georgia's never been consistently as good as I think they should have been at the women's college level. All right, let's get into Atlanta United for about 10 minutes. Um, we've talked about the moves that they announced yesterday. We've talked about possibilities and reading tea leaves and what it could mean. I want to get into a little bit of just what the depth chart looks like right now as we start to figure out what could be on the horizon. So goalkeeper is one that I know has freaked everybody out. I don't think there's a reason to freak out on December 2nd with a game coming up at the end of February. Um, you have a lot of different moves you can make between now and then. Brad Gazan's the only goalkeeper on the roster. Uh, you have Rocco Rios Novo on loan to the twos. You have to trigger a purchase option on him to keep him and move him to the first team. That's a possibility. I think that's definitely a possibility. I think re-signing Alec Can, who is a free agent, is a definite possibility because I just don't know what the market will be for him out there. Uh, ben Lungard, I think, has to go through a process so you can't bring him back immediately. So I think you could see both Rios Novo and Can as part of the roster once we get to training camp, once we get to opening day. It's nothing to really be worried about right now because if they're not, there are a number of number twos out there to play behind Brad Gazan right now. And then 
when you look down the road at homegrowns, you have Vicente Reyes, who has played for the twos already at a very young age. You have Justin Garces at UCLA, who could be signed to a homegrown deal. There's multiple possibilities on that side, too. So Atlanta United will have options in the goalkeeping core. And that, for me, is the, the, the overarching point that you made is what I would remind folks in this process. Is it just because something looks like it does today doesn't mean that it's going to look like this in perpetuity. Because of all of the different stages and all the different steps and all the different machinations that the league has when it comes to bringing talent in and making sure that if someone... Just time, too. I mean, there's just a lot of time. Yeah, and so it's just all of these different things. Just keep all of this in mind when you sit there and whatever your favorite team is, if there was a move that, you know raise the the hair on the back of your neck for whatever reason just understand that just because it looks like something today doesn't mean it's going to look like that all the way through this process all right let's move to left back uh gustavo asks about rumors about bello uh carlos bocanegra spoke on it a little bit in his end of the season media availability he said there's interest he said there's definitely been interest uh there's been rumors of champions league level clubs having interest it would not surprise me at all if Bello moves on in January. I think he's at the right age, the right value. I think it all makes a lot of sense. If he doesn't, so right now the left-back depth chart would be Bello number one, Gutman number two, Ambrose number three. If Bello moves on in January, which I do think is a strong possibility, then Gutman can step in and be a starter. He was a starter for the New York Red Bulls all season long. Ambrose is a solid backup. We know you can count on him. He's a Boy Scout. And I think Caleb Wiley would get a homegrown contract if there's a spot for it. I don't think you have to give it to him right now. I don't think you have to play him right now. He's not going anywhere from everything that I've heard. There's no risk of losing him. He doesn't have the ability to go to Europe right now. Caleb Wiley, I think, will get that homegrown deal at the right time. And if it's next year, if they feel like he's ready to play some MLS minutes, cool. But Bello moving on. I'd say it's more than 50% likely once we get into the January window. And much like we were talking about where we were discussing Seattle and Seattle's ideas without a particular player that fans know in Rui Diaz, a lot of folks here in Atlanta have George Bellow. We've seen George Bellow. There's the succession plan in place. there's, There's an idea of what a succession... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. ...plan could be if George Bellow is not here. It's not like Atlanta United is sitting there and waiting for George Bellow to leave and then, oh crap, what do we do? 
the plan is there and, the, and those individuals are there that can help out from behind. That succession plan's been there for years, by the way. It, it's not going to look at forwards in Liga MX because you're having contract difficulties with your forward. It's We've got Caleb Wiley playing for two years in USL Championship, and last year we had the opportunity to go get Andrew Gutman, and they did. That succession planning has been there for a while. You also brought Mikey Ambrose back at the beginning of the season for a reason. So left back, you're covered. Right back is a little bit more of a question. Brooks Lennon, there. No Ronald Hernandez. His loan expires at the end of the year. Could he come back? Absolutely he could come back. I, I don't know if he goes to Aberdeen and plays. He can't play at Aberdeen until January. You can't be registered at Aberdeen until January. It's going to depend on if Steven Glass has a spot for him and wants him or if Atlanta United wants him and wants to pay for him. The good thing about that whole discussion is Atlanta United has an investment in Aberdeen. Steven Glass, obviously, with the relationship with Atlanta United. Darren Neals is on the board at Aberdeen. So Ronald Hernandez isn't going to go anywhere else in MLS. If he comes to MLS, he's coming to Atlanta. And if Atlanta wants him, they can find a way to make it work so everybody wins in the situation. And once again, it's all of these, these ideas and relationships where there's a plan in place. There are options here. You can sit there and look at plan. No, I'm just, what I'm saying is. <laughs> what, what, are you, what are you doing? It's like it, everything interweaves is what I'm doing. It's, I'm weaving my hands in and out. Everything interweaves. Aberdeen, Atlanta United's interest. If there's anything that's going. Okay, fine. Wax on, wax off. That's what I'm doing with my <laughs> Maybe hand. that's what you're doing. I don't know. Like, uh, they didn't buy into Aberdeen because of Ronald Hernandez. No, no, no. So, so but, no, but, the, but, the, but in this idea with Ronald Hernandez, who is property of. There is this. There is an outlet there. there there's an opportunity yeah, there if it presents itself. Is of what course. I'm saying. But you also have time if there's a right back that you like in the league, you yes. can go get. Yes. So you, you've got flexibility there. Center back, you got a lot of options. Yes. Miles Robinson, who has not generated interest, which maybe that will change by the time we get to January. I'm a little surprised that there hasn't been significant yes, interest. That, in and him. that's the other point I was going to make with Miles. Miles Robinson, Alan Franco, Anton Walks, George Campbell. Your first four are excellent. Campbell could start for, for, I think, most teams in the league right now. You've got Alex DeJohn as well. You've got Bryce Washington as well. No Josh Bauer. His option was declined. He would be six or seven on that list. Do you need six or seven on that list? Probably not, especially with Bryce being a homegrown. So I think center back, you're in good shape. Even if Miles, an option comes up, you have the depth. You can make it work without even going out to replace him but then you'd have a spot that if you wanted to, you could. And once again, it goes to that notion of plans of succession and building from within with George Campbell, seeing him progress over the last handful of years. If Miles Robinson moves on, and that, that to me was one of the largest takeaways for me from Carlos's conversation, is that there's no interest in Miles, or there hasn't been any kind there of... Ha- there hasn't been... Depends on how you want to define it. I'm sure somebody has asked, but there hasn't been anything concrete is what it sounded like. Yeah, so, you know, any kind of substantive or concrete interest in Miles Robinson. But once again, with what we've seen from Miles' growth, you would think that suitors would be coming fairly soon. You would think. So once again, you've got folks who are there, and you named six guys that could be there at center back for you fairly easily so once again we talk about succession plan and everything working its way forward the depth is there at center back and the confidence in those individuals is also there yeah you're in a you're in a really good position there um holding midfield 
we'll we'll separate holding midfield out from central midfield. Generally, when I do my depth charts around the league, I, I separate left back, right back, center back. I do holding midfield and then central midfield because it's a little different. There's a lot of overlap between them. You have a lot of guys who play both, but I try to separate it. Left wing, right wing, and forward. So holding midfield, Santi Sosa, he's your starter. When he's healthy, when he's number one, he's the guy. He is coming off of sports hernia surgery. We'll have to see how long that recovery is. It sounded pretty optimistic that he'll be fairly ready to go on opening day, but that process can take longer. So we, I don't know if we necessarily know yet. But Amar Sadich is back. He can play that spot as well. Um, you've got flexibility there. No Mo Adams. He is not coming back. I, I get it. A little bit of a numbers game because you also have Hosechu, who I thought really emerged this year and was really good playing in a more deep-lying role. You're pretty well covered in your holding midfield if you want to go double pivot or if you want to go single. I think both are very possible. I think you're good. And you look at the once again the depth that's there and you look at the injury I mean Mo Adams it was what a quad? It was a quadriceps? Well no he had sports hernia sport, surgery sport, uh, first and, that's and what, then yeah. he had other issues. So and, and then so sports hernia injury once again with Santi Sosa we everyone's different in their recovery, but once again, we have at least a knowledge base about recovery time in those windows. They're also different. I, I would not put Santi Sosa in the Mo Adams category yet because sports hernia surgery can be minor, can be more, more elongated. It, it's, there's not a, a set time frame because if it's Mo Adams' time frame, then he's not back for opening days, probably not back until April. Right. Okay. So that's not the sense I've gotten from the club from what they've said about Santiago Sosa. Okay. So I don't think there is a consistent time frame there with sports hernia surgeries. Okay, but still, then putting that aside, I still think that the individuals that you have, yeah, with, with Santi Sosa as healthy as he was, I think that there was that initial idea where he hit that wall, not knowing what the, what the demands of the MLS schedule. He pushed through it. Because he hit that wall. No, nah, I, I, I disagree, John. I don't think he hit a wall. I don't think that had anything to do with it. Um, he played for River Plate. He played a lot. I mean, he played 21 games or so coming in, but he was playing consistently at the end of his time at River. MLS is not going from college to pro, where you're playing you know 10 games versus 20. Like it's not that. I think what Santiago Sosa went through is not a wall, more of an emotional roller coaster because the manager who brought him in who obviously valued him extremely was fired and Santiago Sosa has never been through the guy who brings you in and believes in you losing his job he was at River Marcelo Gajardo was there forever so he never went through that and I think he he struggled with that and then he got through it and, and got well with it I think the the players around him helped a lot I think Rob Valentino and Gonzalo Pineda obviously helped a lot and I, I think Santi came through it very well now I think where physically maybe we didn't know all that was going on as he was kind of struggling a little bit late in the year with different injuries probably related to this probably in the background that maybe he didn't even know about at the time was slowing him down a little bit making it harder for him but he didn't hit a wall physically come into this league that was not the case okay I mean it just to me it looked like there was that point X number of games in where he'd been playing and playing and playing and playing and playing, and it looked like 
that he was fatigued sooner in, in matches, and there was that stretch no, I didn't where get that his, sense. there was a little there was a there, it seemed like there was a stretch for me where where Santi Sosa wasn't that hundred percent Santi Sosa that we knew coming out of the blocks early in the season. It looked like there was and he pushed through it and then coming out the other side before the injuries. No, I didn't get that sense. Um, I think, and this is what has happened with players, especially here in Atlanta before, and I think it's something that we have to be really careful about. Santiago Sosa came in and played very, very well early on, extremely well. Mm -hmm. And then he played pretty good. But that was seen as, oh, he's really struggling. He's not as good as we thought he was. No, it just means he's a young player and he's going to have some ups and downs. Just because he started well didn't make him the best player in the league. Just because he was getting about a six and a half out of ten after that didn't make him a bust. But that was the roller coaster narrative that he was on, which wasn't fair. Santi Sosa had a very good year in Atlanta. He's got more to give. You want more consistency. This should help him physically. But no, I, I didn't think he was tiring in games. I didn't get that sense. I think he made some mistakes defensively. I think the man-to-man marking wasn't suited for him. I think he tried. He did everything that Gabriel Heinze wanted him to do. It wasn't the best fit for him. Once he got his head around learning that and then de-learning that and having to adapt to playing differently, I thought he looked like Santiago Sosa, and he played well. So I... I think there's just an overhyping and then a trashing that happens far too often with players. It happened with Miles Robinson. True. It happened with Miles where last year there was a, a narrative that Miles was struggling and Miles wasn't learning fast enough and all kinds of nonsense that was being said. Miles Robinson made a couple of mistakes. Every player does. It happens to the best in the world. It doesn't mean you forget how to play and it doesn't mean you're a bum. It means you're a human. And it's something that just it happens here a little too often at times. And we'll try to spell that out at different points. We're going to come back and finish the attacking part, the wingers, the forwards here in a minute. But we are at the midpoint. And I don't know if we're going to have the music actually work, John. <laughs> okay. So you're going to have to possibly just do the read okay. and tell everybody about our good friends, Toka Football and Eliminize. Our friends at Eliminize have a question for you. If you are looking to score odor-free, clean, fresh air in your home car, RV, or boat, where would you like to go? Well, that's an easy answer. You go to Eliminize Service. Realtors and property managers, are you trying to sell or rent a home that has a great location but has some odors that you need to take care of? That's what you do. You go to Eliminize Service. Give a red card to bad odors left behind by cigarette smoke, pets, and food, all those organic odors. With Eliminize Service, they will help you with an eco-friendly way to scrub the air that doesn't leave behind any toxic residue. It's better than those masking agents that we all use with the Febreze and such. They have a customized solution to your bad odor problems. They measure to calculate cubic feet, and they can do it by parts per million with their scientific formula, specifically for your needs to deliver odor-free, clean, fresh air results. Eliminize. You go to Eliminize.com, E-L-I-M-I-N-I-Z-E.com, backslash Atlanta. That's the important part. The backslash Atlanta gives the regionalization effort to it. It tells the folks from Eliminize where you are and where you're calling from, where you're checking the Internet from, and how you can be a part of Eliminize service. Eliminize.com, backslash Atlanta for a special offer. Shoot them an email. Give them a call for a free estimate. You can have Eliminize service for odor-free clean, fresh air. Now, our friends at Toka Football 
When it comes to Toka football, would you like to take your favorite soccer player's game to the next level? Toka football has four indoor training facilities here in the Atlanta area where you can invest in your favorite player using Toka football's method to improve soccer players and your favorite soccer player's game. What you can do, you can go to tokafootball.com. You can also go to soccerdownhere.net, click on the Toka football banner, and take those first steps to get your favorite player's game to the next level. Don't forget to use the promo code DHDH at tokafootball.com and soccerdownhere.net. Toka football and eliminated service. Proud sponsors of everything. SDH. All right, let's talk a little soccer, a little beer with Ryan Skinner, co-owner of Goodward Brewing and Public House. Uh, why don't you slide over, John? It'd probably be the easier thing okay, to do. Okay, then I'll slide over. Ryan, you get this chair eventually, so let me slide over. That'd probably be the simplest way to make this work. Well, then we'll just do that. Yes. <laughs> All right. Ryan, thanks for having us in, in your house. We appreciate it. Uh, yeah, thank you very much for coming. This is uh, fun for me, too, being a soccer fan. Just having you all here is great. Okay, so I'm noticing the Fulham hat. How did that come about? I knew that would take about one second before you dive into that. <laughs> um, I'm sure everyone's on pins and needles with my championship league take <laughs> and the five games you can watch every year on the television. Uh, tomorrow we play Bournemouth and old Scotty Paca. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm excited about that. I'll be on the road to Rome, Georgia, so I'm going to watch it on my phone. Um, but yeah, right now we're, I think we're eight points clear of third place, uh, one up on Bournemouth. So tomorrow's a big game. So, I mean, we've had this conversation a lot this week and just in, in big picture about the different levels of clubs. And that's really starting to change a lot right now with Newcastle, with what they're doing, with all the money coming in. They're going to be in a different level than maybe they used to be. Fulham and Norwich are the two that I always come back to that feel like clubs that are resource-wise, level-wise, maybe you know, infrastructure-wise, somewhere between 18 and 22, like in England. Mm-hmm. So they're always going to be those clubs that are towards the bottom of the Premier League or towards the top of the championship. How is that, as somebody who is a fan, is hardcore about one of those clubs, how does that feel? Do you enjoy... The, the differences in each year where it's like one year you're trying to stay up, next year you're you know pretty clear and going to get promoted. Just purely from watching the matches, it's much better t- in the Championship League to watch us slaughter other teams, <laughs> lesser teams. <laughs> so for, from that standpoint, it's fun to watch. Last year was miserable um, to watch, even though I enjoyed Scotty. Uh, it, was, it was terrible to watch. Um, the other day, there was an article about, uh, and I don't remember who wrote it, but it was about them uh, cutting off the balloon payments, in essence, if you, yeah, if you go down. Yeah, talk about it. Um, which I have to, to be honest with you, I have to educate myself more on. Um, and I don't know exactly how that works, but I don't know. This is a, a good question for you. If Fulham was, re- when Fulham was relegated, if they didn't get a balloon payment, do you think they'd be in the same position they're in right now? I, I don't know. I, I kind of think so, um, because I feel like you take those out of the equation and... Yeah, the balloon payments do kind of create yo-yo clubs because if you're already better resourced than most of the clubs in the championship and you have $100 million or whatever it is on top of that, then, yeah, you should win the championship or or get promoted automatically. We do see clubs that blow that money and waste it and not get promoted because they make bad decisions. But I think the the parachute payments do create more of a yo-yo situation. 
I think Fulham, though, in general, is probably in that position. Better than Bournemouth, by the way. Like, I, I Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I think Fulham is in that position where they would be at the top of the championship regardless. If you took the, the parachute payments out, I think they'd be around that level typically, and they wouldn't really change. Now, Norwich, I wonder if maybe they would. You know, I think Fulham has more money to work with, an owner with more money to spend, sure. than somebody like Norwich does, where maybe they are a yo-yo because of the parachute payments. So the next question would be then, if <laughs> how much money do the Saudis spend uh, if and when Newcastle gets relegated. I'm pointing to my friend Jay because he's a huge <laughs> Newcastle guy. <laughs> uh, we got a, uh, which we got is a source a of endless debate. So how much money do they pour in if they get relegated? We got quite a few Newcastle fans in, in our fan base, and we, we've talked about this a lot. Like, I think Newcastle right now has an idea of what they want to do in January. I think it could be ballooned if they are in this position or worse. By the time you get to January 1st, I think they'll spend more to try to stay up. Personally, I think they would actually be really smart to make good purchases in January. you you got to go buy in January. You've got to upgrade that squad anyway. But don't blow it on bad purchases. Don't blow it on a 34-year-old who might keep you up. And if they get relegated, honestly, it takes some of the pressure off, doesn't it? Like It gives them the opportunity to build a squad for the next five years as opposed to a squad for today. They might be in a better position if that happens. Fair. Yeah, it's fair. I could see it. Okay. Go ahead, John. When the Khan family came in and picked up Fulham, what was your initial response? Because it seemed like at times the Khans wanted to turn Craven Cottage into a place where they wanted to have the Jacksonville Jaguars playing home games, and they wanted to put up statues, and they wanted to do all this stuff. But they seemed like they were trying to do too much with Fulham as new owners. What was your initial response to them when they came in the door, and has it changed over time as they have evolved into the owners that they are at Fulham? I mean, obviously you want the influx of money, right? <laughs> um, but at what cost? Even with... Uh, uh, Manchester United, what happened when, the, when all the, the fans came and stormed the field, I think they don't want to lose a certain part of it still being their, the working man's club or a hometown club, especially with Fulham being as old as it is. Um, I, I guess you kind of got to decide as a fan what you want your club to be. Do you always want to be the little engine they could, or do you want a, a mass amount of money influx and you want to win friggin' games, you know? Uh, so you kind of got to decide. So for, for me as an American, I've never been to Craven Cottage. Um, 
so I can't say that I have that nostalgic. I understand it, but I don't have that personally within me. So, you know, they're building the big stadium right now or the, the, the section on the Thames right now for, for Fulham. For me, that's great. So I, I guess that's probably bastardizing some of the English fans. <laughs> they would disagree with me. Yeah. Um, but I, I just come from a different perspective where, yeah, yeah I want to I be able to see them play in the prim. I want to be able to see them every Saturday and Sunday. I don't want to have to scour ESPN Plus for right. what random game they're on in the championship. Um, so for me, I guess being a newer fan and a younger fan, that's what I would like to see. I'm okay with the influx of money. And I think, again, some of the Newcastle fans are okay with the influx of money as well. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, the pressure is going to be on Newcastle. I mean, we've been talking about Newcastle and their growth. We've been talking about Manchester United and I think their remodel that's about to happen with Ralph Rangnick and, and completely changing their style of play. We've talked a lot about Barcelona and their financial issues and now Xavi kind of taking them back to their roots a little bit. It, it, it's a really interesting time for the game in, in Europe right now, and I think especially in England with the amount of money that's coming into the game, with a lot of the talk about maybe now's the time to re-envision things, reimagine things. You had the Super League push. That got squelched. Now you've got stuff like parachute payments. You've got an independent auditor looking over the league, trying to figure out how to make everything work better. It feels like a time where things are really going to change. And I think for what I would want to ask you, because I got into the game through Manchester United in England. That was the first club I got to see on a regular basis. Um, Mid-90s, you know, we didn't get games often at all. And they were the team that was capturing the world's attention at that point with Beckham and Giggs and Scholes and all those young, talented players. You know, all these changes and all this discussion about it, how do you feel about the game in England right now? you think it's in a good place, or do you think it's in a place that maybe needs some work? That's a good question. Big picture right now. Big yeah. picture question. Uh, money is the root of all evil. You need it. It's it is. necessary. It's um, kind of important. So watching English football, I mean, I've watched it for a long time, but never as much as I do pay attention to it now. Um, You'll see even in American sports leagues where you have the haves and the have-nots. Yeah. Um, baseball is kind of an example where you have haves and have-nots, but you still have parity. Um, there's a lot of different clubs and, and small market teams, teams, not clubs, um, that are winning. Kansas City won the World Series a while back. It's like yeah. the epitome of a small baseball market club. found a way without going salary cap. Mm-hmm. To still have some parity, and I wonder because we we talked about I mean, salary the Tampa cap. Bay Devil Rays are the perfect yeah, example, exactly. Of that. Yeah. And they found a balance in that. Now, like the NFL, NBA, different levels of a hard cap or a softer cap. MLS has a a pretty you know soft cap when you really get down to it with designated players and such. I wonder if England, especially, because now I think the conversation is getting into those haves and have nots. And how do we? How do the have-nots have more power? Is it something like baseball, where you have a, a luxury tax, and then that's spread out among the other teams? I don't know. I mean, it, it makes sense in, in baseball, and I understand it. So, if you're the New York Yankees, your uh, television rights deal is yep a billion dollars or something. It's probably some crap. You know, it's, your uh, local. Well, one, yeah, yeah, I'll try to use. I'll try to use nice language. It's probably a lot of money. <laughs> um, so, yeah, if you're Kansas City, you're not gonna. It's impossible to compete at that level, not only right. because the Yankees have won 26 World Series titles, um, but because it's a smaller market. So you have to be able to have some way of balancing that out. Right. When I watch, especially now with um, the EPL, it's clear that you have 
I mean, what is Manchester United like eighth now? So I tenth. Mean, well, I, mean, I think they, after today they might be. They able should to be hire. better than that, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So there's going to be some fluctuation there. Yeah. But yeah, you're always going to see the same teams. So if yeah. you are uh, if you are a Queens Park Ranger fan, I mean, yeah, you or even a Fulham fan, you can hope to go up, and then you're going to get obliterated for a year, and you're going to go right. down, and, and it's the same thing over and over. Right. That's the only thing that that worries me with with money. Um, and especially when you see it in, in the EPL, um, you because it becomes about who comes new, in to buy the team, who, like it, it, like Newcastle. Sounds. I mean, it becomes okay. Now we can play ball with everybody because mm-hmm. we have rich owners, and yeah, you do have, then have the trouble of who the owners are and what they stand for and everything that goes with that. But Manchester City, Chelsea, guy, we can continue down that road. So too. many princes in the Middle East. There's only so many of them exactly. that can buy clubs exactly. at some point. There's yeah. a few more who might want to buy a club. It's possible. But it, it's just, I don't know. It's, it, it feels like a time where maybe these questions that were never really considered do come up. Because, and, and we've had this conversation um, on the show. Uh, Bern Dersberger, one of our, our loyal listeners, brings up more of the German perspective. And it is a different feel, I think, where you have more of like the, the neighborhood team. And, and you kind of know, like, hey, my neighborhood team's not going to win the Bundesliga, but I get a lot of enjoyment out of this. That does mean something. But I think with each passing generation, because the world is so much smaller, maybe it means less. Because 20, 30 years ago, if you were a fan of, of Fulham, you didn't in England didn't get to see Manchester United or at that time Liverpool or, or Arsenal really on TV much. You'd have to go to the game. You didn't get to see it. Now, you can watch them in the midweek in Champions League, and you might not like your local team. You might like some team, you know, two hours away because they're playing in Champions League. I think that's changing, so maybe the needs need to change a little bit. I don't know. I, I, I don't have the answers, but it feels like a time where English football is starting to examine itself more. Do you think that has anything to do with the Super League? Yeah, I absolutely do. I, I think that... I think now that the outrage of you can't do that, that's wrong, has, has dissipated, now it's, wait a minute, there are legitimate questions about things we need to answer about making our league better for more. Why is Arsenal there? Is that what you're going to ask? Maybe that's part of it. Maybe it's how Tottenham got into the Super League conversation in the first place. I don't know. Um, there's lots of things to it, but I, I want to go ahead. Actually, you go ahead. I'll, I'll well, no, and it's a spinoff of what you're you're asking here. So then, my question for you, I guess, is twofold. One, I know that you want Fulham to be in the prem. You want them to stay in the prem, so you don't have to to go and, and try to figure out where they are on the plus and what have you. What is your realistic expectation for them once they get into the Premier League, other than sustainability and staying in and being one of those teams? What's your realistic expectation for them year in and year out? And then, off of the Super League discussion, does it excite you? Would you still watch Premier League football if... You're seeing Manchester City putting seven on Norwich. Is that a, you know, are you still watching these other games that don't immediately impact you as a fan because of the disparities in the talent levels that could initially be Fulham going up against those top teams when it comes to the Premier League? Well, if we do get promoted next year, it will be us losing seven, no? So we can start with that. Um, I, I guess the expectation for me, as far as I know, Fulham is just to try to stay up. That's it. Um, 
I don't really know financially the impact of con like how that's going to play out like is it how much money they're really going to put in how committed are they how is his son doing i guess his son is running amok um i've read reports about that too so staying up would be great just to i guess that's the first goal especially with a club like fulham is just to stay up if there is a a super leaguer you have the haves and have nots and you have man city pummeling the bottom half of the table every week no that's not interesting for me at all i would rather watch albion (laughs) play norwich and just have a solid soccer match to watch or football match to watch um, than watch, you know, uh, the who's who of soccer pummel these kids, you know, like Fulham, for example. Um, so does that answer your question? Yeah, for me, I'd rather see more parity, but at the same time, it's not the league that, that's not how they exist. You have right. to have the cash. It's not really different than any other sports league, though. That's why I kind of brought up baseball where you, you have the extreme halves, Yankees and Boston and the Dodgers, but they don't always win. Yeah, I think the frustrating thing that hasn't happened in England is in other leagues, you've seen teams figure out a way to compete with less resources. Um, yeah, I mean, in baseball, you see it. It's a, little bit, it's a very different kind of game tactically when you get into this, but you've found, teams have found different ways to compete without just spending. Like, I think in, in England, there's a little bit of just an acceptance like, ah, oh, well, we can't spend, so we can't be as good. You could press. You, you could go down the road of like an RB Leipzig uh, and, and other teams in Germany where they couldn't compete with Bayern, but they found a way to try to level the playing field by playing a different style. We see it in basketball where you, you, you play you know, full court press and 48 minutes of hell like Arkansas, and that's how they would bridge the gap. Um, England, it, it doesn't feel like that happens. It feels like it's almost the opposite where it's, let's just put guys behind the ball, let's just defend and just boot it long, and that's how we'll try to keep games scoreless rather than like tactical innovations that f- find a way to bridge the gap. I don't know. I, I'm, re- I'm fascinated to see where it goes because I just feel like in five years we're going to be talking about England in a very different way. I don't, I don't know. Um, I want to get into this with you, though, because we're, we're here at your public house, yes. first off. Yes, your public uh, house. How did everything come together to, to open Good Word, and, and how is it now that things are starting to get back to normal from uh, just people coming out and, and seeing you? side of things five 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 and a half years ago my business partner and i wanted to we worked at Brickstore in decatur and yeah. wanted to do our own thing uh he was the general manager and i was the beer manager and so we figured out we wanted to make uh to do a brew pub i'd always lived in gwinnett so it made sense for me for them they were all itp guys uh, but once we met all the the folks that run the city here it was a pretty easy decision for us so yeah that was four years ago um post-pandemic everything is great we need staff if you need a job we're hiring email me ryan at goodwordbrewing.com i'd be happy to interview (laughs) (laughs) the same as every other place uh no it's good we're in a good spot we we there's only growth here um we're happy with the beer the cocktails the food the service we're happy um we're in a a phase now where if we get the appropriate amount of staff we're going to grow with the city which for us is really cool to to grow see everyone around us uh, to play a small part in that is is uh, humbling. Have you seen the the crossover a little bit with the soccer crowd in, in this part of Atlanta, especially, which it's a very soccer rich area? Have you seen that come to your your place? And have you started to see like people in jerseys, people wanting to watch games, stuff like that? Sometimes, yeah. Cool. It's it's a challenge. Um, I mean, 
I have season tickets for Atlanta United, and I'm in resurgence, but it's a challenge because a lot of those, the member groups are the, the base of, of, the fan base is, is ITP. It's, it's closer. It's harder to get those folks out here. Um, right. When we first opened, we didn't even have televisions. We never wanted them. We wanted to be a true public house um, yeah. where you just come in and talk to your neighbor. Uh, football reigns in the South. That was something I never thought about. I'm not from here. I've lived here for nine years. So that's uh, we realized that Fridays is high school, Saturdays is college, and Sundays is the pros. If you don't have televisions, you're really screwed. Again, I'll use nice language. Um, but no, it, it's a challenge. We, we, we can have some games where we'll have 20, you know, 20 different people out watching the matches. We've promoted it for a long time. It's never taken hold. Um, I don't know whether that's geographically where we're located because we're not a sports bar. We just have right. you know three televisions, um, but whenever the games are on, we show all the games. Um, and you'll have there's you know a group of about ten to twelve of us knuckleheads that are always here uh, watching the games and drinking boring flat English beer. So <laughs> one of our uh, loyal listeners, uh, Ricky, wants you to pitch why downtown Duluth is the best area OTP. Wow. He says it is. He, he's, he's from here, so he's got you. Uh, for myself, personally, living in a city of six million people, I still know... I've lived here now for... We've, the pub's four years. I've lived here for three years. Um, I can't drive anywhere around here and not wave at somebody and know somebody. So when yeah. you live in a town of six million people... Atlanta to be able to live here and to be able to know so many folks. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No It's pretty cool. You saw that small town feel. My wife and, and daughter and I live a mile away. I walked here tonight to come to this. My daughter goes to school across the street. She walks to and from school. So there is that small town feel to it. Um, and then the second part of that for us in Duluth is in Gwinnett uh, as a larger whole is the diversity that exists here is is insane um it truly is like the melting pot uh of of the suburbs especially um some of the you know the the southern suburbs and the northern suburbs are more homogenous than we are and that's just not you know Gwinnett and Duluth as a whole is is very diverse um so I can go and you know crush some tamales for lunch and then go get Korean barbecue for dinner there's not a lot mm-hmm. of I've lived in Phoenix um, and St. Louis are the other places where I've lived my life in there. Phoenix is diverse, but it's, it's two different subsets of diversity. And then St. Louis is, you know, it's St. Louis. There ain't a whole lot going on there regardless. Yeah. Uh, so for me, those are, those are the two cool. the best parts about Duluth. Yeah. It still has a small town feel and you can still get whatever you want, yeah. you know, uh, but you can't do it in a lot of places. We also have somebody uh, watching Colin who is currently drinking Scaling the Garden Wall. Oh, nice. That was a collab we did with Schilling Brewing in New Hampshire. Um, they are incredible. They're great people, and they make wonderful beer. He was asking about, uh, is there going to be a, a dinner, a beer dinner with yeah, that? Yeah, so Schilling will be in April. 
Um, we have a beer dinner with him. We have to go up sometime in February to New Hampshire. It's a dubious honor. We get to go up there <laughs> to, uh, to brew a beer with them rough, um, as well. Rough. Yeah, we were there in uh, September, um, right when the leaves were changing. Todd and I went up there for their Oktoberfest, and the beer, everything was incredible up there. That's awesome. the best. Uh, but it was perfect. It was, it was still nice. The weather was, it was still sunny and hot, but all the leaves have changed. And then Todd <laughs> says, yeah, we're going to go back up there in February. I was like, you got to be kidding. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. I like the Great North, and I like it in friggin july <laughs> yeah you know i'm not uh but anyway we'll, we'll head up there and and see it when it's all white and see you know different types of beauty so anyway they're an amazing brewery um, that's a great beer by the way too very cool yeah all right here's your crystal ball question for you while you take a sip of one of your beers look five years down the line how would you like to see things continue to grow and evolve for Good Word and for the public house and for everything here? How would you like to see in a perfect world things continue to move forward as we get further and further away, hopefully, from what you've learned about yourself as a businessman from the last 18 months? Look at the next five years or so. How would you like to see things continue to evolve? So we make beer. We make food. Uh, we make great cocktails. The most important thing for us here is humans, which I think is lost a lot in a business. You can make any kind of crap you want, but a lot of times um, it's how you make people feel. That's the most important part. So I think for us over the first four years, we've got a lot of regulars. We've ingratiated ourselves in the community. So the next five will be balancing how to take care of what people have already come to expect from us versus uh, what we're going to need to continue to do. How do, we, how do we go out and get new guests and offer new things but still... Uh, stay true to what we've done, which has been successful um, here. And a lot of people ask me, uh, how's the restaurant business? And I always tell them I'm not in the restaurant business. I'm in the people business. Uh, because for us, again, how we make you feel when you're here is much more important than, uh, I mean, you got to have good beer. Let's be honest. <laughs> if the beer was shit, I'm sorry. If the beer was crap, I wouldn't want to drink it. <laughs> you uh, could. Uh, so yes, it's important, but the most important thing for me is the is the people. So we gotta have we have to find that balance. I think we've done a really good job of it over the four years of, of becoming kind of the mainstay here in Duluth. Um, but as the city grows and there's more, you get more density here. We have to figure out how to go and attract them, especially if that demographic is different. Demographic is so diverse. Um, it, we've we found that to be a challenge sometimes too. How do we decide? Um, do we go super young? Do we have loud music on this night? If it's a Wednesday night, is anyone going to give a crap about cask beer? Like, you, you, it's such a diverse uh, array of humans that live here. It's it's a challenge sometimes to just know how to go after them. Yeah. you know what I mean. Uh, but again, what what always works, no matter how old you are, what color you are, what religion you are, it doesn't matter. If you're nice, people like that shit. Yep. <laughs> so that's generally what we try to do. You can't. You. It's free. Being nice is free. If you're just simply kind to people and you have empathy, that's free, and you'll win. Um, and so that's, that's kind of the, the road that we try to hoe. Excellent. All right, we're going to get into Atlanta United, so you're going you're gonna to get us there. Yeah, you're going to get As us As a there. season ticket holder, there you go. what did you think of 2021? Um, what did you like about 21? What did you not like? And how do you feel about the team going into 22? Hot mess, I guess it'd be, yeah, what you At would, times, hot, yeah. Yeah. Um, after the coaching change... Um, that was the first time of the season where um, you had hope and it was exciting. The team actually looked uh, engaged, I guess, if, if that's the right word to use. Uh, hungry, passionate. Um, you could just totally, almost immediately see that transformation, which kind of 
you know, bled over for me too, where I wasn't passively watching the games. I was more actively watching the away games um, on the television, watching the formation or basic things in, in terms of how um, the team was structured within their formation was amazing for me to watch uh, that transition. So I got more excited about it. As the season wore on and we hire the next coach, um, I'm anxious to see how that will play out now that we have the second half of the season, the off season, and leading into the yeah, next year, yeah. especially given some of the roster changes that are inevitable. Um, I'm still excited. Um, soccer wasn't the first sport in my life. Baseball was. Um, but I, I'm still as yeah. much as excited of the next year. In the, I'll say this. Baseball always is my number one thing. I'm a St. Louis Cardinal fan, which is, if you know anything about St. Louis, there's nothing there except the Cardinals. Mm. <laughs> um, so I'm always excited every year for baseball to start. I'm just as excited now for the MLS season to start. Awesome. So and that's pretty, I guess that's a telltale sign of yeah. um, how well the organization did. I mean, I've, I played soccer when I was a kid. I've always followed soccer. I like it. But when you can say that in you know five years of existing, you've got a person who's a diehard baseball fan to be just as excited about the season starting, that says, uh, that says a lot. Um, so for me, yeah, I, I'm excited and anxious to see um, the changes. But then again, didn't we say that last year? Yep. And it, it, look, it didn't work. But this time, we know from half a season that I think you got the right guy. And I think in Gabriel Heinze, the theory about him was the right guy. Like, it was the right hire. He had shown a lot. Young coach. Had more experience than Pineda. Very different personality. But everything pointed to that being a good hire, and it didn't work, which happens. I mean, we've seen it in every sport. You know, you hire the right guy on paper, and he's not the right fit. And that's what it felt like with, with Heinze, is that whatever tactically he was trying to do, which I, I, we're talking about it on the Twitch pitch, I think he's going to have to not be as rigid tactically. I think he's going to have to be a little more flexible, a little more adaptable based off what he wants to do. That's one thing he'll learn. Most importantly, he's got to adapt personally to situations because he didn't handle being at a club the size of Atlanta United very well. I don't think you, know, you say you know, being nice is free. I think he struggled at times to find that balance between being the guy in charge and being a guy that people wanted to be around. And I think Pineda obviously gets that second part. Everybody loves him. Um, he gets it. He also knew what didn't work before, and I think he's doing the right things to make it all fit. So I'm, I'm with you in that I'm really excited about what's coming. I think this is going to be a fun team to watch next year. I'm excited to watch Pineda learn and grow as a manager. And I, I think we've got somebody for the first time in club history who I could see being here for five years. I, I don't think he's going to be in a rush to go to the next job. I don't know how many other jobs there are out there that would be better for him. I think Pumas in Mexico will be one that he will do at some point because that was his club coming up. Like, he'll go there, but I don't think he'll go there at the expense of Atlanta United. I think he'll be here as long as he's successful and as long as he's engaged and challenged by the job. It's exciting. Uh, one more question for you. Will had one for you. Uh, will wanted to know, first, um, is Schilling coming down for the beer dinner? Yes. Okay. We cool. don't know exactly who yet. Okay. But they will definitely be down to attend. Cool. Will is over in Huntsville, Alabama, so he will have to make plans for this. And that's he, a that's a hike. Yeah. Yeah. He will. Will's a little crazy. He types mm. in all caps all the time. Okay. Will's a yeller. Yeah, a little bit. Um, he was drinking 
pineapple natter days the other night. It was a little disturbing. But Teach their own? Eh, exactly. Um, he does want to know where the name Good Word came from. So it doesn't have anything to do with Georgia Tech, for starters. I already had to explain Thank that Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Will's going to be very sad about that. Yeah, so UGA fans fret not. Thank you. I was a little concerned. A little concerned, not going to lie. We like UGA fans as much as everybody else. That's what I'm talking about. (laughs) More than everybody else. Uh, uh, (laughs) That's what I'm talking about. It's also, we get asked all the time if it is a religious connotation, and it's not. Um, So working at Brickstore in Decatur truly was like a a small pub feel to it. It was kind of dark and dingy, and it it was an amazing character. Um, And you knew a lot of your neighbors. Um, and folks would come in. So a long time ago when you'd walk into a saloon or a pub or whatever, that's kind of how you were greeted. You would say, what's the good word? And in essence, it's just a greeting. Um, it's positive and it's friendly uh, and it provokes conversation. And that's what we wanted. That's also why we chose a typewriter for our logo. It's just an older way of communicating, um, which is something that we were trying to harken back to in this day and age of phones and computers yeah. and, you know, all, all the stuff we do. <laughs> yeah. I actually was just thinking I'd zoom in tonight and talk to you over the computer, and then I wouldn't have to look at you. <laughs> <laughs> we could have done that. That's actually how my wife and I co-parent now. Yeah, we just do it over Zoom. Be like, have have our daughter call me. I'll talk to her. <laughs> I'm gonna give it to her over the phone, knucklehead. Sorry. No, no, all good. Uh, yeah, but no. So that's it, man. Um, the the mural that's up there is on the left is my daughter, and on the right is my business partner's daughters. Oh, that's awesome. And so they're they're talking into the uh, tin cans on a string. Um, cool. So again, we we just wanted to to try to have some form of nostalgic way of humans communicating with each other um, and getting back to being a pub in a neighborhood um, where people gave a crap about you and it's not just a transaction a lot of times you got to eat almost any business now it's just a transaction especially with the birth of the internet you know there's nothing personal that you buy on the internet ever it's just a transaction Um, but i still think humans really enjoy that um i I really do i think people harken back to it and england is a good example that you go to the pubs there it's like that's the livelihood it's like going to a cafe in france you know that's that's what they do Uh, for whatever reason it's it hasn't taken hold in the states um, but I think there's enough of us clearly we're still in business there's enough of us here that, that enjoy still being able to connect as a human awesome well thanks for opening your house yeah, with us no, we appreciate thanks it thanks for having me I'm not good at this but I appreciate you having no, me no no you've been great Ryan thank you for the time appreciate it and thanks and, for the hospitality and Ryan is someone who lives in Decatur and, and knows the original and, and, and frequented Brickhouse I mean it's, it's great to see what you guys are doing and continue yeah. to evolve things up here awesome you thank you so much thanks for having us all right. Make sure you're following Good Word Brewing on social media platforms so you know when that, that dinner is coming up, first off. Yes. And you know all the other events up here in Duluth. Um, we're going to get finish the Atlanta United kind of depth chart conversation, take some questions to finish up. Scott Flood's going to come up as well. Yep. Um, but let's get finished with the roster. We finished the holding midfield. Central midfielder, she can play further forward. We know Sadich can do that. We know Hosechu can do that. Moreno and Barco can play centrally and do that. I think it's very easy to forget Emerson Hindman. Yep. Don't know what his timeline's going to be, but he's running on grass now. Uh, was injured first half of the season. Um, so maybe he factors in at the beginning of the season or early-ish. We'll just have to wait and see. Second half of the season, maybe you can actually count on him a little bit more. Franco Ibarra is another one who I don't think can play the six by himself, 
but could be the holding midfielder in a duo, but could play a little bit further up front if you're playing one behind two as opposed to two behind one. My gut feeling is the personnel will depend a little bit on matchups and on the opponents, but I think in general, Gonzalo Pineda wants to have this team play in a 4-2-3-1, two holding midfielders, one central midfielder in front, but that could flip from time to time where it's more of a 4-1-4-1, depending on the opponent and depending on the personnel available. And one of the things that I will continue to remind folks, it seems like, and obviously injuries do this, but you forgot about Emerson Heinemann and the kind of impact that he had for you when he was healthy. When he comes out the other side from this injury, you're going to have him as a part of this roster and loved what we saw from him when he was at 100%, looking forward to having him back at 100% to see how he integrates. And so you look at... What you lost, you know, players departing, players addition, you know, player additions coming into 22. Remember, Emerson Heinemann's almost like having a player addition for yeah. the 22 season. Yeah. Um, Tyler Wolf can factor into the central midfield conversation as well. I'm curious to see where Pineda really envisions him playing because uh, he really likes Wolf. He's talked about Wolf a lot, but I don't know if he sees him as a, you know, an eight or a 10, as a winger, as a second forward. I'm not sure yet. Um, okay, wingers, and we'll start in the left side. We know Barco can play on the left. We know Moreno can play on the left as well, but those two can be interchangeable. Uh, Jake Mulraney can play on the left side. I think Araujo could play on the left side if he needed to, but he, he likes to be the on the inverted, the right side where he can cut into his left foot. Right. Um, Wolf can factor in, I think, on either side, but more likely on the right. Dom is more of a right winger. Um, Eric Lopez could factor in. I think Machoke Chol can play on the left or the right. A lot of times he's played on the right to be inverted as well where he cuts in, but he could play on his natural side on the left. You've got a lot of different personalities there, and the Barco question is going to be one that will really continue until a deal gets made or the possibility of a deal getting made this season shuts down. If he's available with the rest of this group, this is a pretty high-powered attack. And at the same time, on the right-hand side, you know, we saw the relationships on the left and how everything integrated and flowed very well. On the right-hand side, you could look at Brooks Lennon and Luis Arujo and sit there and say, okay, there's some, there's some growth and familiarity that needs to happen there, so yeah. it becomes more fluid. Having an off-season to, you know, to get acclimated with each other and almost have that. Having thing. a preseason to do that, because they're not hanging out in the off-season. Well, yeah, so I, I don't think Luis Arujo is hanging out in Arizona with Brooks. Uh, so... Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. When you get a preseason together. Yes. So in as much as they might go to Scottsdale and play TPC hey, maybe, or something. Hey, maybe Brooks invites him out and they, they, they play golf. I don't know, but I'm, I'm 
getting the sense that Luis will probably be in Brazil and Brooks will be in Arizona. Maybe they'll so. Zoom relationships in the offseason. But no, maybe. When, when you get into preseason, it gives you that extra time where you're not having to sit there with, with a nameplate and go, hello, my name is, and try to figure out what the other guy is going to do. You're going to have a preseason where you can almost make it second nature as to movement off the ball and figure out how things will be on that right-hand side. Yeah, it'll, it'll definitely help if they can find a rhythm. And if they can't, I think that's something Gonzalo Pineda is going to have to figure out personnel-wise to sort that out because they're gonna, it's going to have to be more in rhythm on that side of the pitch. Up top, Joseph Martinez, Jackson Conway, Eric Lopez can play there. I mean, you can always go false nine with a Barco uh, who's played it before. He can be a second forward. Wolf can be a second forward. I, I do think the forward group will have an addition before next season. I think it'll probably be a veteran along the lines of what they tried to do with Lisandro Lopez. Yep. Um, Will Bruin and Patrick Mullins are two free agents in the league that I can see fitting in that role. Bruin, more injury issues with him, but also far more familiarity with Gonzalo Pineda. If injury-wise Bruin checks out, I could see him being somebody that Atlanta United's interested in. No question. And one of the, and you know, and when we get to talk to Nico Moreno about these kinds of things, familiarity, especially when you're, you're going to have a preseason and you're starting out from a season from match week one, as opposed to having to hop into the middle of things in Medias Race and try to work your way forward. Bringing in those guys that know you, know what you're looking for, and having them from the beginning is going to be big. And I know that you've been big on Will Bruin as a part of this process. And I, I was big on Will Bruin in the expansion draft of 2016. Yeah. So even now, even more now with Gonzalo P- Of course it is, Scott. Come hey, on. Hey, Scott, by the way, can you get me another beer? Priorities, man. Come on, Scott. You're going to come up here and talk in a minute. you got to get me another beer first. A porter, please. Like this is how I'm brought up. That's how you're brought up. <laughs> get the beer, and then you can come up. And, and, the, and the sweet tea while you're at it. Thank you. A, a porter, sir. Yes, the same thing. And another sweet tea, please. Thank, Thank you. you. Get, get John a drink, too, Scott, while you're at it. <laughs> oh, Priorities. Man, I didn't mean to put you. Oh, over. wasting no time. Sweet tea. Thank you. Uh-oh. We have folded questions. Look out. And considering it's the last time that we're doing questions this season. Well, we do them every day on the show, but I'm sure we're going to have some ridiculous ones. Uh, well, it wouldn't why. be any other way. Yes. All but, right. But, yeah, the, just the notion of having those guys that know what you're looking for from the beginning in preseason, working it forward, it makes a lot of sense. All right. Scott, you want to come join us? Oh. Well, I'm going to slide in. So here we go. So I slide in, and you get the edge. You're not doing the hokey pokey, and John. I get Relax. the questions to keep them away from Scott. You're not? Okay, okay. We're not doing the hokey pokey. Tranquilo. Um Will over in Huntsville uh, had a message for you, Scott. In, in all caps? No, some of it was in the all caps, not all of it. When are we coming to Huntsville? Yes, when are we uh, he is having a, a yellow hammer uh, tonight. Oh, so. there you go. He, he's, he's waiting on us to show up at yellow hammer. He's having a Belgian wheat this evening. Okay. Yellow hammer? You're going to have to uh, share the mic there. there yeah. So, Will, tell yellow hammer to contact us. And let's make some arrangements. We can put Huntsville on that thing. That is something for 2022 yep. that we I'll are working on I'll right now as far as, you know, not doing every show in the Atlanta metro area. Yeah. So I'll go to Huntsville. We have uh, actually quite a few longtime listeners in Huntsville as well, along with Will. Will Will's not the only one in Huntsville. So, yeah, that'd actually be a, a really fun show to go do. Uh, yep. See, Brad Martin chimes right in. So I'm uh, perfect. It'd be great. Um we might have to make that happen. All right. 
So, first question, I'm going to start with Ricky. Favorite moment or moments from the brewery tour? Oh, wow. <laughs> Scott, oh, what you got? Me, me first? Me? Yes, yes. Oh, Man. Um, yeah, it's kind of funny because we were just talking about this out here. And I was sitting there telling them we need some questions about to recap the year because this is our last show live. So, uh, our last tour show. People are getting a little show. confused thinking we were like going on hiatus for months. Yeah. No, we're back um, tomorrow morning because we're stupid. We're crazy. Stupid crazy. Um, you know, there's been, <laughs> there's been a lot of ups and downs, to be perfectly honest. Um, you know, we had some unbelievable crowds at places like Dry County, yep. at um, Slowpore. Um, we had a, a really great time with Greg Garza and Mark Bloom at, um, and, and Georgia Alliance at, at Glover Park. We got to know a lot of people from NASA Top Hat. Uh, we met the uh, the Atlanta Panthers women's yeah. team. Yeah. Um, I think, honestly, one of the best moments for me actually just occurred, and we talked about this prior to the show. Uh, they are going to be doing some stuff. But the, we had a young boy at Lion Creek. And I think at the end of the day, that's what it all comes back to, is watching a, a child that had not – really been playing soccer for very long. He'd only been playing, I think, less than a year. He was rocking a Messi shirt, so he had good yeah. taste. And Sorry, Ricky Ricardo, but uh, Messi's the goat. Get over it. <laughs> and for me, it's just, you know, we do these, and it, everybody has their tale of coming in and out of a pandemic, and, and we're no different. And we've had ups and downs with it, and with that is that, oh, I thought she brought me more beer. I was like, oh, my God, I love you. <laughs> Almost, thank you. <laughs> um, you know, but for me, it's, it's little moments like that. It's watching um, the Atlanta Panthers women's team get to do something that maybe they just weren't expecting to get to do. It was um, watching a young kid at Line Creek and do stuff like that. We talk about all the ups and downs. Um, you know, at least I do, because <laughs> this is the stuff that I worry about that you yes. two don't need to. Um, but just who we have here live and, and who's watching on Twitch and, and all these different little things. But at the end of the day, when you see stuff like that, that's why you do what you do. Mine's, that's why, that's why mine's you easy. It. Mine is the first show we did this season uh, because it had been a long time. And we had been doing shows on Twitch for about a year and it was really weird for that first show at Wild Heaven where we were all still figuring out protocols and what it looked like. And I know they were too, and they were great to, to really kind of jump out there with us and, and figure this out. But it was great just to see a, at least eyes looking back at us at that point. Yeah, true to that. And people reacting live to, to things that were being said. And that was something that we hadn't had in over a year so. I mean, we're not like a, you know, a, a band, and I know musicians have talked about this, like just how, hey, I, I can pick some really good music to play, but you don't want me singing or playing a guitar. But you can also get the tour t-shirt, too. Yeah. Okay, non sequitur, but okay. Um, yeah, yeah. But, it, exactly, I can't wear that shirt here. That would look silly. Um, but musicians have talked about it. I think anybody who has done like any kind of public events has went through this where when you don't do them for a long period of time and that first time it is really 
awesome. And that will always be my favorite moment of this tour, just actually being able to do it and getting that first one underway and having people react to, you know, stupid jokes and me being a jerk. You know, for me, all the different places. And a bully. And a bully, too. Yes, and a a bully. I try to hit all the different spots on the bingo card with that. True. And, And all the different places that we were able to go. Here in the Atlanta area, Southern Crescent, where we got to catch up with Bunky Colvin. One of the, the legends yep. of high school soccer, period. Not just in the state of Georgia, but period. To catch up with him. To go to Dalton and do a show in Dalton there and catching up with the folks up there. To go to Athens to do a show there. All of the, all the different locations for me. And having to get two new tires in Birmingham the day of the Dalton tour stop because I scaled a curb and completely and totally ruined the tire. So... All of those other stories that are attached to the whole thing to get to sit there and talk about my driving skills or lack thereof to actually get to a tour stop. Those kinds of things. Dalton was cool because we got into a conversation about uh, Dalton and Southeast Whitfield yes. high school rivalries, that which was unexpected. Yes. Uh, Ricky's favorite moment was learning about all the different breweries we've been to. And he's tried beers from all these different breweries because we've talked about it and we've been there. I, I just thought of another one, too. This will not involve Jason. You know, one of the big moments for us was Gate City, where you and I did the show outside, and it was 918 degrees with the sun directly oh, yeah. in our face. Um, I remember that night. I was in Columbus. Yeah, he, I, I think he texted me a few times, like, you know. No, well, I texted you. Why are we burning the show to the ground? All no, no, no. <laughs> I only texted you when we arrived, like, making sure the show was actually going to start. And then I went to dinner with everybody. I, I was good. I was fine. Y'all handled it. You did, you did okay. Well, you know, another thing real quick, that the Dalton show unexpectedly led to an unbelievable re- relationship for us with the Chattanooga Red Wolves. It did, yeah. And it really did. Uh, that, you know, that, that, that particular show, circumstances as they were, led to us being able to go up and do the shows that yep. we did uh, both during the game once and then from their unbelievable executive club that they have going on up there. Um, and, and, and to hear this, you know, the, the stuff like, uh, you know, Charlotte moving down to League One and, you know, you're, you know Lexington, Lexington coming into League One. Yeah, yeah, Lexington, Kentucky. You've got all of these places, man. That League One, I'm telling you, it's going to be I, – I, I'm super excited about that level. That level, yep. it, to me, and Jason, you'll remember this when you and I are with the Silverbacks. I just – I just – I like that level. It just feels – I don't want to say it's minor league. It's not – to me, it's not minor league nah, baseball. It's, it's, but it's – it's just it's community driven. It's so yeah, it's community smaller. involving. When those clubs develop local players and have them play for that that team, that's where it all clicks, and they will. And Chattanooga's already starting to do it. Greenville will. Lexington will. Charlotte's done it. That's where it really starts to click. That level, it's very personal because you know when you go to an Atlanta United game, and I think this was maybe a little bit of a. An adjustment for fans of the Silverbacks back in the day, and I've I've seen people kind of chafe at it. it. It's a different world. It, it's a it's the big time, and no, the players can't stay and shake everybody's hand and sign their T-shirt after the game. It's not that that's not that level. I love that level too, though. I, I love the big time, the big game, the no, game. You know, everybody's going to talk about. It. It's going to be on national TV. We're all going to be yelling about something. But I also love that community feel at a pro game where you can talk to a player after the game and and 
you know, they'll, they'll sign your shirt. They'll sign the kid's shirt. They'll talk to a kid who's a young soccer player because it can be more personal. That level, League One has the potential to have the biggest impact on American soccer in the next 10 years. The third division professional level is what can really change it. MLS will continue to grow. USL Championship will grow. But they're, they're starting to get kind of to as big as they can be. USL League One could have... 60, 70, 80 teams if they wanted to, all over the country, regionalize it. That's where those kids in Lexington and Greenville have heroes and have a place to go. So that's the level that can be big. That's why I love you know getting to know Chattanooga, getting to know Greenville, getting to know Tormenta, and, and continuing that relationship and hopefully doing more to promote what they're doing. You want to start the question and answer session? Didn't we, we just do that, John? Kind of, sort of. But kind of, sort of. From there, not from actual pieces you, People of paper. here can have questions, too. Don't discriminate I'm against the I'm not discriminating. I'm not discriminating. He did. But anyway, Ricky, I really appreciated your question. Um, and we'll get Dawn's question here in a bit. Okay. So, uh, Alan and Angela. And Angela, first time here. Thanks for coming, Angela. First time here for Angela. We, we answered their questions. Because they wanted to know the best moments from the tour. Okay. Well, they're on the same page with Ricky. Yeah, let me get the Sharing a brain. Notes Hang on. Oh, oh, boy. That'll go here. All right. So, uh, Bart for Jason. Uh-oh. This is dangerous. Rank the leagues Bellow could land in by order of least to most ideal. And here's, here's the list. Okay. Premier League. I'm going to... Okay. Premier League is, is on the board. All right. Bundesliga. Bundesliga ahead of Premier League. Eredivisie. Oh, Eredivisie ahead of both. Syria. Syria ahead of England. Actually, no, Syria at the bottom. La Liga. La Liga ahead of England below the Bundesliga. Primera in Portugal. Uh, at the bottom because he might not get paid and they might not actually pay the transfer fee. True. And Liga. Uh, uh even bottom than Portugal because he will get racially abused and the club will have to come out and say that the fans of that club are out of line or they might get a bottle thrown at him um, and the games will probably get stopped and won't get played on time. So, Liga, don't go. Don't yeah. go. George, don't go to France. Do please. not. Don't go to Portugal. Don't go to France. Go to the Netherlands don't or Germany me. as your best option. No, you, Spain would be really interesting. Yeah. I think he'd develop a lot there, but I think he'd fit the most right now into the Netherlands or in Germany. Okay. Steve, for me, the best sweet tea on the SDH tour. Where is it? In every place here. every place that had it, but we'll go with here. Because <laughs> they had it. That. Uh, yeah, Scott yeah. is correct. Good here. Word. Good word for the win. <laughs> yes, here. You've had sweet tea on this tour. Yeah. You've had water. That I have. You've had root beer that multiple is, times, actually. That is true. Um, you've had a warm two-liter of Mountain Dew. Accurate. Multiple times. That is true. Which is really gross. Um, I think that's it Doesn't for beverages. Uh, Celsius. No, no. You've had war- Oh, you've had Celsius as well. That's, that's not bad. You've had warm Diet Dr. Pepper as well, which is worse than warm Mountain Dew. Okay. That's it, uh, awful. And, it, and, it, and it's fizzier. It takes longer to digest, actually. Warm, it's gross. Uh, I'm disappointed with that. Okay. 
then, then I will let you drink yours on ice, and I will continue yes, to... Yes, I will have my soda on ice, because I, I'm from the United States. I'm not from uh, England. And, 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 and human, yeah. And, and human. I wasn't going to be that mean, Scott. I, I mean, I'm the oh, jerk. Oh, come on now. Why stop now? You know, seriously. Because you're a bully. Well, bullies aren't always jerks, and jerks aren't always bullies. I ah, try to bridge the so gap. So there's a mutual exclusivity with jerks Sometimes and bullies. Sometimes I like to bridge the gap, yes. Okay. Did we seriously do a year of this? Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. A whole, okay, yeah. All right, so Bart for me, again. Question on back. You, you didn't have to read that part. That wasn't part of the question. If MLS had, a, and I'm going to open this to everybody, if MLS had preseason camp locations like Major League Baseball, where should Atlanta United call their preseason home? So, I mean, I went to spring training as a kid, and before it got super commercialized. Yeah, like, really? I think if MLS did it, it'd, it'd probably be similar now. So you'd, you'd want a, a cluster of teams in different areas. And True. look, you're probably going to go to Florida. You're probably going to go to Arizona or California because the weather's good. You could go to Texas, too, which maybe is the, the spot. Um, if you went to Florida, my random spot that I loved going to spring training games was Winter Haven. Understood. We, it's mostly like an older crowd. Mm-hmm. Uh, Winter Haven is kind of between Orlando and Tampa. Okay. I think closer to Orlando, if I'm not mistaken. Um, really cool, like, old ballpark. So, like, that would be the, the thing is, and that's what I loved about spring training at that time, was you were playing in some, like, old stadiums. You could get really close. This would have a very different feel, but you'd need something like that. You'd need, like, venues that would make sense. So, you know, maybe you're looking at colleges? Like, that size of a stadium, like college soccer stadiums that seat, like, five, 6,000? Yeah. You know, you could do stuff in those, so, you know. Stetson, Rollins. Yeah, maybe Atlanta goes to, uh, maybe they go to Kissimmee just to, like, really poke the bear with Orlando. And just laugh at them from a, a short distance away. I don't know. So are we saying that it does have to cluster like in Arizona? I mean, Florida I think that would be the way you do it if you're going to have that kind of spring training vibe. I mean, the first thing that jumped out in my mind was Chattanooga. I mean, it, yeah, it, but it might be because, cold. So, eh, yeah, I mean, it might be cold, but it not, you're not going to be in risk of weather affecting the ability to do what you're going to do. It's just sure. not that it's 70. It's, you know, it's 45. But Statesboro, you, Georgia. I was going to say Statesboro would be the other one. Yeah, yeah the Tormenta, yeah. I mean, and, and, and steal the, uh, the Carolina Challenge Cup and make it the Statesboro Challenge Cup. Well, and, and, and just to further that mindset of if you want to grow and continue to feed, like, League One and stuff like this and do yeah. that, if you had teams coming down and from MLS doing that, that's another draw. Yeah, keep in mind, though, Scott, USL and MLS aren't so copacetic these days. Remember, they're kicking the, uh, the two teams out of their league, so. Eh. I think you'll have individual Ryan relationships. Ryan Gibbs going to coach anywhere? That's a moment that we need to remember from no, <laughs> there you go. Don't. Dry County. There you go. Like, bro, That's stop, a moment. Stop, stop, stop talking about the greatness of Ryan Giggs. You might want to check the, the Google News alerts, yeah. Scott, I, please. I, I, I'm way ahead of you. Eesh. All right, so we have two more questions on pieces of paper. Well, we have one from Don as well. So the Don, uh, what's your question, Don? Don, uh, i got to scroll back. There's been a lot of comments. What player would you like to see play for Atlanta United next season? Hmm. Jesus? 
Yes, it was. <laughs> I mean, I, I got to be realistic with it. So, like, you know, who could you realistically get that would make sense based off what you already have? Will Bruin. I'm not. I mean, I like Will Bruin, but John, I'm not going to get super excited about a backup forward. No, I'm sorry. Um, I, I don't think there's a big acquisition like that. I really don't. I mean, Thiago Almada, if he comes, will be a big acquisition. Yeah. I'm excited to see him play because he has been incredible yep. True. for Velez in Argentina. But I don't think there's another one unless you then get the crazy situations where Bello and Robinson and Barco all get sold right. and you're able to go spend and you bring somebody in. I don't know. Like somebody I would like to see at some point. Um, I'll go with a kind of random one. Shaq Moore. Okay. Shaq Moore's a local guy. And I could see him in Atlanta at some point in his career. And right now you don't need him because you have Brooks Lennon. You have cover on the right side. You're good. But, you know, if Brooks moves on at some point and Shaq is in his, like, 25, 26, 27-year-old range with some Spanish experience, bringing him home, I'd be, I'd be completely down for that. I'll say Emerson Heinemann because that means he's healthy and has recovered from his injury. Okay. That's a, that's a very original thought there, John. Isn't it, though? Yeah. Good, good job. That's what we're here for. Good job. All right. So I have two pieces of paper, both from Eric. And they both say over. So they're very long <laughs> questions. Okay. <laughs> Rank from first to worst. Okay. With these U.S. coaches and their tenures with the U.S. team. Okay. Are these national team coaches? Uh, yes. Okay. Bruce Arena. I'll, I'll do the same thing. Bruce, which tenure, though, with Bruce? So The yes. first one or the second one? We're, uh, I do not or have... Or are we separating them and doing one each? The first one? Okay. Uh, that's probably going to be the number one. Uh, the Ro- second one is below the first one. Yes. I'll, I'll go ahead and include it. Robert Bradley. Bob. Uh, Bob has to be below Bruce's first tenure, but definitely ahead of the second. 3GB. Um... He hasn't had a World Cup yet, so you have to... So No, it's not, Bart. <laughs> Stop being mean, bully. Um, vocal tonight. Amy, though? So much of it's defined on the World Cup. I mean, Bruce is going to be number one because he got to a quarterfinal. Bob got to the round of 16 and won the group. Greg hasn't had that opportunity yet. Um so does he get an incomplete? No, you have to rank him. I'm not going to take the easy route here. But it's harder because he's had some very questionable moments. And he's also won two trophies and beat Mexico three times in a calendar year. Which you can't take away from him. So I will put him... I'm trying to decide where I put him between him and Bob. I think because he doesn't have the World Cup, i got to put him below Bob, but ahead of Bruce's second tenure. Okay, so you're right now at Bruce 1, Bob, Greg, yeah. Bruce 2. Yes. Okay. Then Jurgen Klinsmann. Oh, that guy. Bottom. Um, I really don't want to be a jerk right now, but my initial reaction is uh, at the bottom. Yes. But... He did get to a World Cup, so I think he has to be ahead of Bruce, too. Okay. He at least got there. He did uh, try to set American soccer back 20 years in the process. Um, Yeah, for anybody who who wants to talk about Jurgen being progressive and bringing all these things 
like go and look at the numbers and and like people internationally did this with the u.s performance in brazil they were as defensive had the ball the least took the fewest shots it was back like 1990 u.s men's national team so then should we just call jurgen like big jurgen like instead of big sam no no i don't think he intended to be like a defensive guy i think he didn't know how to coach i think frankly he did not know how to coach he knew how to do an infomercial yes he knew how to campaign for somebody's job on tv and get it true Maybe Sunil Galati had a Jurgen Klinsmann poster on Uh-oh, as well. I don't more know. Questions. More questions. But Jurgen was incredibly disrespectful to Bob Bradley. He was disrespectful to American soccer as a whole at times. He did want players to go play in Europe. I, I, yes, that's a good thing. It's really shocking that you came up with that. Good one there, Jurgen. <laughs> good job, Klinsy. But he butchered the start of his second tenure and he butchered the world cup he got personal about landon donovan needing a mental health break yeah and jurgen klinsman threw him under the bus gave him the carrot like oh yeah come play in the gold cup with the b team and then maybe we'll consider you back with the senior team oh no we're not we're gonna drop you and oh yeah my son's gonna laugh at you on twitter that doesn't happen by accident no jurgen mistreated the best ever American player in terms of career. I, I love Clint Dempsey, but Landon did more in his career winning. Clint might be the most talented. Yeah. Jurgen disrespected Landon Donovan in a very uncomfortable way, and it was about mental health. Yeah. And Jurgen's gotten a, a clean pass on that in a way that I don't think is fair. And he cost the U.S. in that tournament. Because when Josie Altidore's hamstring went for the 527th time, who would you have liked to have had on that roster to come in and play up top? Landon Donovan. Yep. Why wasn't he there? Because Clinsey wanted to punish him. That's horrible. Mm-hmm. And then he went on and lost in a Gold Cup semifinal at the Georgia Dome to Jamaica. One of the worst games I've ever had to watch in person and was very upset by it. Uh, so much that then the Jamaica, uh, the Panamanian and Mexican fans threw everything they could find on the field. Unfortunately, I blame that on at, I was going to say it wasn't at Jurgen Klinsmann. They should have thrown it at Klinsy. Um But then he blew qualifying. And he dug the hole that Bruce Two couldn't get out of. Klinsy is ahead of Bruce Two barely because he got to a World Cup. Okay. But he is beyond everybody else by a lot because of how he treated Landon Donovan. And now, frankly, he didn't live up to the hype. Okay, so we have two more questions. Oh, we got two more. Okay, what do we got? So the second one from Eric. Sorry, you know by now that you talk about Jurgen Klinsmann, it's going to piss me off. And I'm going to get riled up about it. And so, as you should. And so uh, Eric's second piece of paper says, This could have fit on the first page, but that's not the point, Scott. What is the difference between being a Patreon subscriber and being a Twitch subscriber? Does one have something the other doesn't? No, we, we've tried, like doing this because I think you guys by now know if you listen to the show I don't like to ask for money but we kind of need money to do things so we have ways that you can help and we tried to create just a variety of different ways but we didn't want to have a bunch of different tiers where if you do this then you get all these special things and if you don't if you can't do that then you don't get special things we've never wanted to have like private content yeah um Basically, they're just two different ways you can support the show. And with Twitch, the biggest thing we started with Twitch, we, we didn't know what we were going to do with Twitch. And people who have Amazon Prime subscriptions 
could just roll something over to Twitch without even spending anything extra. So that was kind of a cool bonus, so we kind of rolled along with that. Patreon is there for people who want to support at whatever level they can support. And, and that's really the way we've always wanted to do it. I just didn't want to hide content only for people who could pay more money to see it. I, I never wanted it to be that way. And what's that? Pay to play. Yeah, I never wanted it to be that way because we do so much in terms of more like a radio show than a, a podcast anyway. And I always wanted it to be available for everybody. But, yeah, I mean, to continue to do more stuff, I mean, when we started doing live shows, we didn't have a light, we didn't have that camera, we didn't have this laptop. Um, I think I had that board, but I'd paid for that on my own, or right. you had paid for that. I can't remember. I got you a board, so I got you back. Yep. Uh, we didn't have this PA, you know, we didn't have... The new speakers. Well, the speakers and the PA go together. Right. Um, we didn't have a lot of that stuff, and we've been able to grow and, and do more, and to do more events, to do more games, to do more types of, of content, we, we always have to continue to grow and evolve. So th that's where that stuff comes into play. I don't like to ask you guys for money. I just want to give you content. But yeah, if you want to help and you can help, we try to make it equal for everybody. The biggest thing that both get that is not public is our Discord, which has actually been a lot of fun. I didn't know what that would be. And it's been really cool that it's not something that we have to maintain and admin on and oversee. You guys police it yourselves. And, I mean, John couldn't even get to Discord, let no. alone, like, actually well, oversee Well, and I'm it. also banned from certain channels. Yes, because you, nobody wants your food takes. So you can't give food takes in the food channel. You can go look at recipes and then pass them on to somebody else who can cook them for you. Okay. But, no, you, you can't give your takes in there. You, you would then get banned from the Discord. True. But the Discord's been great. That's the biggest difference, and that's for Twitch and Patreon subscribers. Again, we just want it to be equal. And if you can help us grow, then we really appreciate it, as, as you all know who have, because I've tried to reach out to all of you individually. But I don't want you to ever feel like you're obligated to. I don't want you to ever feel like, ooh, I want that cool interview or that cool piece of content, so I've got to pay more. I don't want it to be that way. If you can help us, great. If you can't, if you don't have that money, I understand it because I've been there and done that. You can spread the word. You can retweet. You can share what we're doing. You can tell other people about it, and a lot of you do. So that's the most valuable stuff. The last piece of paper I have in my hand for the season is right here, and I'm <laughs> going to give it to Scott Flood. Oh, my God. <laughs> is this directed at Jason because since he's monitoring the question? No, I don't know what it is. Apparently it's from Ricky via Eric. Uh, saying he said you need to answer his other question. What is your other question, Ricky? We've been busy. John didn't even want to talk to the Twitch pitch. So, Ricky. You're in front of it. But no, you didn't. when I brought it up, you said it wasn't even part of the Q&A. So, Ricky, please give your other question in the Twitch pitch so we can get to it. Um, I will try to grab a couple other comments because uh, some of them are very funny. Um, Jurgen reminds me of a management consultant. That's really good. I like that. Uh, Klinsman still doesn't know how to coach. Just ask the Hertha Berlin fans. Yes, absolutely. Um, Bob beat Spain and gave Brazil all they can handle in 2009. I agree. Um, what else? Ricky, give us your question. I'm trying to stall for you, man. Yeah, come on now. Uh, the Discord is the home of degeneracy, uh, as Will says, for sure. He's posting Turkish Cup highlights that have two red cards and... Three different people playing goalkeeper and a penalty shootout where the 
the team with nine wins and all, all kinds of ridiculousness. Um, Will blames Klinsman for the U.S. not coming back to Atlanta since that Gold Cup game. I will agree. I can fill in real quick while we wait on Ricky here. I got a question. Yes. More talented team, Bruce Arena's team in South Korea? Or? Burhalter's team now. Talent-wise on the field. Um, hold on one second. I uh, will tell you that. I will go to the 2002 World Cup roster. Because <laughs> I don't remember exactly the whole thing. Ronaldo. No, no, no. You're Reina. wrong. No. The Reina, yes. But Ronaldo, no. That was past him. Oh, um, Ronaldo. Sorry. Yeah, you're right. Sorry. Um, McBride. Right? Yes. yes. McBride. Sorry. Yes. Um, okay. So this is... Jeff Agus, Chris Armas, Demarcus Beasley, Greg Berhalter, Landon Donovan, Friedel, Frankie Haydick, Kobe Jones, Casey Keller, Eddie Lewis, Carlos Yamosa, Pablo Mastroeni was really good in that tournament. Clint Mathis, Brian McBride, Tony Miola was the third keeper. Joe Max Moore, John O'Brien, who was great for the like two months he was healthy. Eddie Pope, David Regie, Claudio Reyna, Tony Sane, who was brilliant in that tournament. Dempsey shit was Dempsey on that. Ernie team? Stewart, Josh Wolf. No, no, Dempsey was a later. Dempsey was a rookie in 04. Okay. Um, okay. more talented this one. Like I, okay. I think by a a pretty large margin. I was gonna say I think this team is more talented. I think this overall. is the most talented by far. Um, and I think you're past the point that. The Clinsey apologists always brought up where, well, you don't have Landon Donovan in his prime, and you don't have Clint Dempsey in his prime, so how can you expect it to be all that good? But you had depth. You had a wider, a deeper pool. Now you have Christian Pulisic. Now you have Weston McKinney. Now you have guys who might be among the best ever to wear that U.S. shirt, along with a deeper pool. So by far, I think, this one. That one was more talented than 98 and I think was more talented than 06. Usually it's better every time just because you're developing better players. But that 02 team was special. And I think Bruce was also the right guy with that group because he got a ton out of the young guys, but then he had the veterans who helped that. And he had guys like Tony Sane really come to the fore at 30 and Claudio Reyna at 28. All right, Ricky, have you asked your question yet? No, you haven't. Ugh. Ricky wants to... Ricky wants to, to talk smack and send then text and, and then just kind of leave it out in the open. Open ended. Yes. It, it just was yes. a third person running of smack. Yes. This is how we're going to end this tour. Thank you, Ricky. I appreciate it. <laughs> we're waiting. Um, D. Graham says so. Cleansy is the Ray Goff of that list. And yes, that's really good. Uh, Will says Cleansman is Jeff Collins. And yes, I agree. Yeah. Except he probably didn't go to Waffle House. If Klinsman had went to Waffle House, people might have actually liked him a little bit more. No, that's the one thing that, that might help. Depends Jeff on Collins. what he ordered. It's like it's like Brian Kelly at, at LSU. Yes, please. I would like a poor boy sandwich, please. I could sense that from Brian Kelly. What would you order at Waffle House that would upset you, John? What if Scott Flood went to Waffle House down the street and ordered something that you would be like, "Well, I'm, I don't know you, Scott." Well, my guess is is that Klinsman would go to Waffle House and try to order something that is so anti-Waffle House and not on the menu that he would want them to cook it on that griddle anyway. Um, if Jurgen Klinsmann did that at any of the Waffle Houses that I've been to in my lifetime, uh, his face might bounce off the griddle. That ain't working at a Waffle House. No, it's not. 
Exactly. They're not doing that for anybody, I don't think. And you are? Not only am I doing that for anybody, definitely not doing it for Smiley Cleansy. No, not happening. I think it's, I do think his face would bounce off the griddle. Um, If he ordered pancakes, I mean, it's not that bad, D. Graham. I I mean, I I don't go for pancakes at Waffle House, but I'm not going to, like, disown you if you do. Grilled cheese, wheat on two, triple order hash brown, scattered, smothered, covered, chunked, and topped. And topped? Yeah, chili. I'm actually surprised that you you do the chili on the hash browns. Yeah, absolutely. I'm kind of shocked. I mean, that's like if I'm really hungry and haven't eaten in like a day, as I would add the the chili. Can I just say, the fact that you were able to just recite that verbatim. Yeah, that was a little disturbing. Kind of awesome. I'm I'm going disturbing on that. (laughs) So it's disturbing that I can sit there. Well, it's, it's like going to the varsity. Well, you know, you go to the varsity, and it's like you don't ever order anything different at these places. Walk two dogs, ring one, and a large fo to go. You don't get a cheeseburger at the varsity. No, it's always dogs for me at the varsity. You, you don't get a patty melt at Waffle House. Nope. You I, always I get know, the same thing. I know what I want. I know what I like. And it just so happens. While we're also waiting for Ricky to answer. No, to we're add done his with question. Ricky. Ricky. Ricky's going to get a shadow band at this point. Let's, let's, let's give some cards out, why don't we? There we go. We got any cards to what, give what are you giving away, Scott? I think you've stunned him. Nothing. You, you have nothing to give away. I have nothing to give away. Damn, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I'm just... Well, tell everybody about your opportunity deal so you can give stuff away. That's opportunity. There's I know. The, tell yeah. everybody about it. You have oh, an opportunity. audience. Oh, well... And we're going to be featuring, Brian, uh, Ryan, you out there? Ryan, hi, Ryan. We're going to be featuring Goodward in our uh, advent calendar here soon. Yes, please. Thank you. Yeah. He's shaking his head. Yeah. Yeah. So we have <laughs> we have an advent calendar we're doing every single day uh, on opportunity on both Instagram and Facebook and on the Flood Project on Twitter. Uh, you can also check out uh, Get Liquid South, which is our friend Knox Bardeen at 92.9. His, uh, his passion play on social media about everything craft brewery. We are doing an advent calendar every single day that's featuring a different beer that is seasonal as best we can do that uh, from all of our unbelievable Georgia craft breweries. And every day, yeah, we're giving away a $25 gift card. All you got to do is go to one of the feeds of Opportunity or Get Liquid South on any of those social media platforms and like the post, follow both of the uh, pages, and then tag a couple of friends, and you're entered to win. It's that simple. We've already given away one. We'll be giving away. We did. First one was yesterday. It was Ironmonger. Uh, they had a toasted marshmallow. It was amazing. Uh, and today was Pontoons. Um, All the other otter reindeer was the name of the name of the beer. All the uh, all the otter reindeer. All the otter reindeer. Hey, you can shut up. Or that that's cool too. All right. So the I mean the crowd may not be big, but they need to learn to just shut up. God jeez. There's an old Latin proverb, Parvus said potens, small but powerful. That's what this crowd is. Oh, now now say it when you're at Waffle House. <laughs> Parvus said potens. Small but powerful. This is what happens when you take two years of Latin in high school and two more semesters in college. You remember these catchphrases that they put on shirts. Senatus populusque Romanus, SPQR, the Senate and people of Rome. That was there. That was on the crest of everything in, in ancient ancient Rome. Segway. So, 
let's take just a minute as we're going to close out here and yes. get going. Um, I personally want to take just a few minutes to thank every single brewery. Ryan, thank you. I cannot begin to thank you enough. Uh, every single brewery this entire year that has accommodated us uh, through everything. We, we At the beginning of this year, we started out still with pandemic worries. We had a lot of people that we had to work with on different angles of different things. Uh, the, the, the support and love that we've gotten from the breweries has been outstanding. And it's why we wanted to do uh, the brewery stuff. Because we knew that these Georgia craft breweries are a center of uh, uh, where people come together. And where they uh, have common ground. And they have become very much... Uh, in my personal opinion, a, a little bit of a sanctuary in, in many communities. And so we, we can't thank them enough. We're so excited about what's going to happen in 2022. Uh, we're going to be doing breweries again. But at the same time, I think we're, there's going to be some new stuff that we're going to be doing. We'll be announcing that probably as we get into the new year. You'll be looking for those things through both our email and our platforms but I just have to say to both of you, um, this show wouldn't be anything, obviously, without the two of you. But at the same time, you bring such a diverse. That's a word to use. It's a, it's a big word. Yeah. It's, a, it's a Jesus word. Um, it's, it's, <laughs> it, you bring such a, a balance to the whole thing. There is such a, Jason, when I listen to you and you're on the air with Mike Conti. There's a certain balance between you two and the way that you go back. And so when I listen to you two, it's amazing. Um, if I can go into real quick moments that we're going to remember, John, has nothing to do with the show. We watched you that night. Jen, are you paying attention? No, she's not. She's not paying attention at all. So, well, you got to look at me. I can't even see you. I mean, I mean... I, called lighting scott we're, we're on twitch. we watched you on a friday night doing your high school bit and you interviewed the kid on on the field and just absolutely <laughs> uh, the, i mean just say it makes it makes you why you're good at what you do the kid just didn't want to talk he went catatonic on everybody and so you know this show has definitely evolved and i am just so proud to be able to be a part of it and to do what we're going to do. And I know there's going to be big things that we all know that we're working on right now for the future that people will know about, you know, later on. But this year's been hard. It has been hard. I think it's been hard for everybody. Um, You know, there's so much short staffing in every single place that we went, um, even here tonight. You know, it's just, it's hard. And these people are working hard and they're doing everything. So to take the time to accommodate us and to let us do this, um, I'm very thankful, and I appreciate everybody. I appreciate being able to be a part of it. Uh, I'm so excited for what we have coming for 2022. And, you know, I just wanted a few minutes to be able to be able to say that. I want to echo it with the, the breweries because even last year when we had to cancel a tour because of a pandemic and we did kind of a virtual uh, tour with a bunch of different podcasts, I, I know people were, were checking those out and, and learning about new breweries. And I, I did see our listeners, you know, going out and, and supporting the breweries at that time, which was really, really cool to see. And I think for for us, it was a no-brainer because 
breweries and the, the craft beer culture in Atlanta, and I'm sure it's the same everywhere else, it's about community. And, and soccer, I think, at its best is about community and building community. So soccer and craft beer and, and those communities just go together perfectly. But Scott, I mean, we wouldn't be able to do these live shows and meet people in person and get to drink good beers, at least I do anyway. Um, you get sweet tea. True. And uh, get to, to sample all of this and, and go around and, and spread the word about what we're doing without the hard work of you and from Jen, because she's done a lot of hard work, well, on the visual side as well for us, um, has helped us upgrade our, our game quite a bit. If you want to know who the real hero is, it's Jen. Oh, I already she know has that. to live with and deal with I me. Know yes, I already Because know I have to deal with you. Wait, what did I do? I like I'm demanding to you. <laughs> the Beatles. <laughs> oh, the talents here. Oh my more goodness. About, more about what well, I was going to say thanks thank you to, very much. to you yes, for setting did. all this stuff up, but Jen, thank you for doing everything that thank you did. Thank you Jen for for being the the brains behind the operation. And that'll do it. So we'll be back uh, with live shows in 2022. No, no, he can say nothing. He didn't drink the beer. I didn't drink the beer. I loved coming out to all the places. I love all the stories and loved all the people that we got to meet this season. Everybody that came out on a weekly basis just to hang out with us. A lot of folks, a lot of moving parts. Great to see everybody, all the different cities, all the different places, and putting all the miles on the car to catch up with everybody now that we're able to do that. And we'll do even more next year. Sorry, I have to pause you because Ricky Ricardo has finally showed up with a Wow. Oh, no, no, no. Preseason FIFA style tournament for Atlanta United. So when you you play FIFA, you can do a preseason generic tournament, yep. and they just make these things up. Yep. So he says uh, preseason style. So four teams: Atlanta plus three. Concacaf eligible teams. No teams Atlanta has played before. All right. So I'm going to put Pumas. Okay. From Mexico in there. I'm going to put Saprisa of Costa Rica in there. And I am going to put, um, ooh, ooh, I could go a lot of different directions. Harbor View of Jamaica, just because I want to make the trip. Okay. Uh, all right, so I would say, what, Forge from Hamilton, Ontario. Of course you'd go Canadian. Well, I mean, I could say, like, Pacific or something like that. Or, oh, actually, even better. No, you pick Forge because they play at Tim Hortons Field. No, no, no. Well, that's true. But Tim Hortons are easily accessible. Actually, Halifax Wanderers. Let's go there because it's, it's a great venue. Halifax okay. Wanderers from the CPL. Uh, let's see. And then I'll go uh, Mazatlan from Liga MX because you get to play at the Kraken. Gorgeous venue. And then, what was the what was the team from Jamaica that made it into Concacaf Champions League? Waterhouse. Yeah, it might have been Waterhouse. And so the opportunity to go to Jamaica to, to see a game in Jamaica. So Waterhouse, Mazatlan, and Halifax Wanderers. Oh no, I'll include the uh, the Guatemalan team with the uh, like Panther or Cheetah or Tiger. What I don't know what cat it is, but it looks like it, it's on crack because it has giant red eyes. Mm. As its mascot, Santa Lucia. There you go. Play them because I want to see the mascot in person. Okay. And see if that actually does exist. Kind of like 8-Ball, the Clemson No, it mascot. exists. Oh, I've yeah? seen it. Like, it's, it's real. I haven't seen it in person. They're not, like, CGI-ing it into pictures. I hope. But, so does it look like those 1980s mascots with the supersized head and the... the yeah. Okay. I've shown this to you. Like the, uh, <laughs> like, like the, uh, the lower division... <laughs> 
uh, British team that had the one with the really freaked out son that was standing on two legs? It might have been Scottish, if I remember. I don't remember. Party anyway. Thistle, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, Santa Lucia, they'll be in this. So, Ricky, okay. there you go. That's yeah. what we waited for? There, yes. Arcae was the team that, from Haiti ah, that Ricky okay. wants to put in. Um, Ricky, we waited for you. Thank you. Uh, even though you have bad opinions about Lionel Messi. <laughs> you ready to go? Yeah, let's go. Last bit. American football provisions. Yes. Eliminize. Toka. Thank you. From the bottom of our hearts, thank you for being a supporter. Thank you for everything you do. Hope to see you in 2022. We know we will. Right, Alan? Thanks. Good. Woo! Yeah. Woo! Um, And that's it. I'm good. Do you know what we say when the show's over, Scott? I think I do. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. Mucha plata, y'all. Mucha plata, y'all. Mucha plata, y'all.